Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from Suite 246 at the American Family Motel in Omaha, Nebraska, here, 2020. And I'm And with us today is the great, the brilliant Dana Schwartz, previous. Oh, thank you for that. Uh, well, you are great and brilliant. Um <laughs> She's a writer, a uh, podcaster, Noble Blood, the biggest podcast uh, of the, I believe, of the 2010s, right? <laughs> That's what they say. That's what they tell yeah. me, yeah. That's what they say. Good luck now that it's the 2020s. But, um, uh, <laughs> comic book writer. TV writer. So many things. Yeah. Uh, quick TV Desperate writer. for external validation, really. Ooh, Whatever Asian. medium it'll well, take. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we, we have a podcast, Dana. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, we like to hear ourselves talk. Um, so we're finally talking about election, Kenny. We're finally doing it. So um, exciting. So Dana, uh, did you see this yeah. movie in '99? Did you? Were you? No, right? You were like a you were a child, an no. infant, right, or something Did, like that. No, I would have been six years old. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Fine, fine. I'm so sorry. Yeah, um, hates you. I know. Uh, I had I did not see it in '99. I saw it for the first time actually, fairly recently, comparatively. Um, you know, just like, but it it I instantly fell in love with it. it. Like, became one of my favorite movies. It's a perfect movie, I think. And I I could I could and I will go on and on about all the things I love about it and all the um, the nuances that I think 
come out at different points every time you watch it. Like, I think that this is a movie that really does benefit from rewatching and like thinking about different perspectives. Also, no, 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 I, no, I'm so sorry. I'm talking now again. I was thinking last night, is there another movie that successfully uses multiple voiceovers? I, Good fellas and uh, Casino, and that's the, that's uh, it. Yeah, it's the, well. The I would also say too, like you know, Kenny and I were texting a little bit last night um, or yesterday as we were as we were both watching it, and I, I truthfully don't think I've watched this movie in a while. I mean, I bought the Criteria when it came out, I guess about a little over a year or so, year and a half ago, and and didn't watch it specifically because I knew I wanted to wait for when we did this. Um, and watching it, I was yesterday was just like I, I was. It fucking blew my mind. Like I, I honestly couldn't believe, can't believe how there's no other movie like it. Like Kenny and I both were just like, I can't think of another film that does what this film does. Um, it's a Swiss it's also watch. Just, it it's, really it, is. It, it's so unconventional in in very subtle ways. Like it, it's just it's breaking the mold in in ways that I just that I think are just. I am so sorry, Mike. <laughs> That was that was that was uh, not it. Not it. My cat, my cat Beetlejuice just knocked Amazing. a cup off the it. counter. It punctuated what I was saying though, so it worked out. I, I, yeah. He was just like a little bit too far for me to reach, so I'm just like I'm just gonna That's let it happen and hope. Um, I'm but, so I sorry. Mean, yeah, wait till my dog starts barking. It's gonna be great. Kids barging. I'm perpetually that guy <laughs> on that BBC yes, video the- who's. I, with the kids dancing in and the wife like <laughs> sliding in to save them, that is that that oh. is my every day. So uh, I yeah, I too absolutely yeah. adore this movie. I, I ha- it was it's the highest movie we've done mm-hmm. on my original list yet. I had mm-hmm. a third for the year. Uh, I said to Phil, I think it would be first, and it probably. 80% of the years yep. in my life. Um, it's probably a lifetime top 20 movie, yep. if not top 10. Um, it's in the other, you know, and I'll get into this a little more, but, you know, we talk about masterpieces a lot. I really consider this movie <laughs> to be a miracle. Like, it's a miracle that that this team put together something that's so unlike anything that came before it and so it would be so hard for me to begin to explain to actors if I was the director what I expect you to do here to make this puzzle come together. I, I, yeah. I it's it's and it works on so many levels. I mean, you know, I know you hear that a lot, but I wrote it down. It's it, it's so it's a satire, but it's also a farce, but it's also high art, but it's also a meditation on fragile white male psyche, and it's also about striving, and it's also about you know how women get punished for being striving for being strivers. It's everything in this little movie about an election. And the other thing that I really love about it, and I'll move on after this. I will. I will. I will seed seed the floor. Is. <laughs> There's this this little thing that it does so brilliantly. You, this movie is presented, and the reason it's an, it's an MTV movie is because it's it's about a high school election, right? And obviously, you know, there's this very simple like, but it's an allegory. It is an allegory, but there are huge implications for these characters' lives about what happened in this election, and it's about how nothing is ever actually low stakes at yeah. any point in your life. One right move or one wrong move can send you down the path of destruction or victory. And yeah, it's it's it's, it really 
you know, I was I, I watched all the all the features on the on the Criterion disc as well, and they talked a lot about obviously a lot of things. There was a making of, and there was an interview with Reese Witherspoon from I don't know about two or three years ago, and you know, she talked about how um, she had a really hard time getting roles after this. That that she got kind of put in this box of being a shrew, and that she couldn't really sort of that studio execs started to see her that way. I, I guess my point is the misperceptions of this movie are plentiful from when it came out. Like it's crazy to think about how this movie was not just mismarketed, not just sort of misperceived. Although the the critics were all very kind to it, but at the t- did it not? I mean, it do didn't cost well? very much. It had like a budget. It, it made about. 17 million on like an 8.5 million dollar budget. So like it didn't, it made us money back, but like it wasn't a runaway success by any means. I mean, truthfully, the only big success out of MTV films was, was Varsity Blues. If you're, if we're being real in terms mm-hmm. of like a real big fat hit, but my point more than anything, but they were all reasonably Yeah. Cause they were, they were relatively the, the yeah. four. And this, is, this is our fourth of the year. And, and I would argue that this is relatively successful and that it launched Alexander Absolutely. Payne. I mean, he's had Absolutely. a blessed writer-director career in the way that I mean, many people don't. It also, I mean, it got an Oscar added. nomination for adapted screenplay, which I, I, I think I knew, but I kind of forgot. I mean, the fact that it lost to Cider House Rules is a travesty, but, um, but it's it's just like the movie did find a lane in its own way, but certainly wasn't helped by the marketing certainly really wasn't helped by the way that it was released um and obviously has only grown in esteem since but i would also say too that like people liked it back in 99 but i'm not sure that they liked it for the right reasons <laughs> like the critics when i looked at a bunch of the reviews back in the back in the day of this release a lot of them were like this is a really clever smart you know movie but now looking at this film through the prism of you know obviously the 2016 election, the 2008 election, uh, seeing sort of how toxic masculinity has, has evolved. This movie just becomes more and more powerful with each year that passes. I'm going to say I watched this movie with a significant other who was older than me and he, I watched it when it came out and I was, uh, dismayed to learn. I can say this because he'll never, he won't listen to this podcast because of me. <laughs> Everyone listens everybody to this. Everybody listens yeah. to this podcast. No, no, he won't. He will skip <laughs> yeah, this yeah. episode <laughs> because he won't want to hear my voice. Um, yes. I think he was like, I, cause I was like, oh my God, uh, Matthew Broderick is such an unrepentant villain the whole time. And mm-hmm. I think, and not to put words in his mouth, I'm pretty sure he's like, oh, well, the first time I saw it, I, I thought he was like a really sympathetic character. And that's, but that's, and I, I mean, like, oh, I, no. I guarantee, I mean, I can't guarantee, but that's how people perceive this movie in 99, which is that Matthew yeah. Bardock was this schlubby, yeah. sad sort of invert of Ferris Bueller. And yeah, trying, you know, and, and, and that's not to say that no critics were able to tap into some, you know, Eber to a certain degree. And some people did tap into it. But Tracy Flick was such an all encompassing character and, and obviously has lived on. I think that it kind of made Matthew Broderick's character. I don't want to say forgettable, but how malicious he was didn't seem as apparent. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, we'll get into the sexism, but it's something that I feel like I'm very familiar with and, and I'm very primed to, to notice and, and discuss the way that like she is presented in such an exaggerated way that she's trying to elicit a certain response from the audience of like, Oh my God, she's so annoying. But then you have to catch yourself 
and be like, oh my God, no, she's just a really capable, competent high school girl and a high school girl who was a victim. People also, yeah. oh my God, that the real villain is the, the high school teacher who groomed and molested her. I think that, I, I think that's, that, to be honest, I don't even like, I'll, I'm happy to talk about it, of course, but it, the, the, the old understanding of this movie which I agree with you guys. I do think it was conventional wisdom that Tracy Flick was the victim of, I'm not, I'm sorry, the villain of this piece, uh, is so backwards and abhorrent, uh, that it doesn't even, it didn't make sense then. I don't understand how you could watch this movie, think Tracy's the villain and also think it's brilliant. That I, I, I can't circle that square unless you're, uh, an evil misogynist, right? <laughs> Unless, well, like well, a sneaky, yeah, like a sneaky little guy, right? That's what I'm getting at. Like, I didn't necessarily like this. So you take this Fight Club and and Matrix, and I didn't necessarily consider this to be in that you know milieu of movies that were woefully under woefully misunderstood by the wrong people and used to advance bad causes, right? The idea that there are these 16 year old little trollops out to get the decent white guy. Um, you know, and, and, but I also want to say one thing and you know, Phil, I'm going to have to get into this as we go further into the podcast. Alexander Payne (laughs) is a piece of shit. Oh yeah. I saw, I saw downsizing. That's all we need to say. Alexander Payne, like the, I, this is almost a Woody Allen thing for me. We're like, Alexander Payne never molested anybody. Alexander Payne has no sexual issues. It's not, it's, it's not that. But Alexander Payne's movies after this are a series of movies about half-decent white men who had been wronged by their significant others to the point that they have this, like, this life crisis. And I can go I, down the line. I actually will disagree. I do think Sideways, if you rewatch Sideways, those men are not the heroes. Sideways is the only one that that I agree with you. Sideways is the only so one. So maybe it gets maybe it gets worse. I would also. Well, I mean, I, all right. So yeah. you, I yeah, just okay. want to go down the movies real fast. <laughs> These shitty fucking movies. Um, and Citizen Ruth doesn't. It was count, before this, right? Yeah. Citizen Ruth yeah. doesn't count. It, well, it was just a good movie, and it's not like this. And he wrote a female character, and I don't even understand where that came oh, from. Boy. Um, but about Schmitz, about a guy who finds out his wife was cheating on him after she died. Um, the sentence is about a guy who find out, found out his wife was cheating on him after she goes into a coma and ruins his life. Downsizing Kristen Wiig's character does the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen anyone do to any other character in the history of, in the history of movies. It's um, true. <laughs> leaves true. him to be a seven, a seven inch foot, a seven inch tall man in a mini world while she continues her life out in the real world. Um, so I, I think there, I think there are others. I can't remember what else this guy did. So I would say the ones he didn't write, specifically Nebraska. And this is based on the Tom Parada novel. Like, don't fall into that. It was I think a Sideways book. It was, was a book also too. based on a novel. I mean, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and and, um, and thoroughly disagree with you because I, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Alexander Payne fan in the world. I am, I certainly like his films more than you do, um, but I think he does suffer from exactly what you're saying, which is uh, writing about his own sort of perspective a little bit. It seems, um, and, and projecting perhaps. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I actually just recorded Sideways on my DVR to rewatch it. I have not seen it since it came out, so whether or not it'll age well for me or not, I can't say. But I'll say this: in terms of election, it does feel like 
the planets aligned for him to be able to to perfectly tell this film. Like he is the right person to tell this movie. And I and I you know, it is really interesting. I read I've read many articles over the past, you know, couple of days and how he how he's constantly interviewed every election cycle to to talk about <laughs> Tracy Flick and how she has affected or the, affected the perception of female politicians. And I'm just like, maybe don't talk to this guy about that all the time. Like, I, I love this movie, but like, I'd be much more interested in Reese Witherspoon's perspective on Tracy Flick than I am on Alexander Payne's perspective on it necessarily. I also think that he's just, I don't know. He seems a little bit pretentious. He seems a little bit up his own ass. And, and, and listen, that is what it is, but. He made a perfect movie, and I and we and and you know we should applaud him for that. <laughs> he made a perfect movie. He made a perfect movie. It was a beautiful, like any movie, <laughs> any movie or any TV show. It's like an accident of a convergence of brilliant people, like the right people, the right source material, and and this all works. Yes. It's a, it, it it's is. a miracle, and and you know, and, and and I'm not trying to say it's a miracle like the clock, you know, uh, a stopped clock is, <laughs> yeah, is right twice right. a day, like. There is there there's intention in every yep. frame of this movie. Like, well, but I you know Phil this this weirdly falls into the unintentional consequences, um, yeah bucket yep. that we talk about every once in a while. Now it's not the like the gun violence in movies perpetuates gun violence in real life bucket, but the 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 portrayal of Tracy Flick has given life to 20 years of, like you just said, of equating almost every yep. female politician yep. to Tracy Flick. And I would never, I don't, obviously I don't think anything is irresponsible. Like when it comes to making films, I don't think that's how you yeah. can approach art, but I do think this is just a weird, horrible, unintended consequence of the piece that it much like the Matrix and much like Fight Club, people have gotten the wrong message, and it has done. I, I, I don't disagree, but I also I just I'll, I want to piggyback on this and say that part of that, in its own fucked up way, is a testament to not just how great this film is, but but how layered and tremendous the character and the portrayal of Tracy Flick is. Like watching this film yesterday, I was just like. It's it is a performance for the ages. Like it it is just that fucking good. Where she's just like from the first yeah. second you see her, you're just like, oh, well, this is a forever performance. And also, I think I don't blame this performance for the thing right. it depicts. I think it yeah. it's like you like trust. Like before I saw this movie, and before I've before this movie came out, before 1999. Professional women are vilified. You know, like it, it's it's reflecting something, not creating something. It, it's just the most articulate representation of a fact that exists about our culture, which is that uh, w women have to try twice as hard, and for a, for a long period of time, women have to have to try twice as hard in order to succeed, and then they're vilified for. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's. <sighs> It's so interesting because as I was watching it yesterday, I, I was thinking about I don't I, I couldn't necessarily tell you any of the people, any of the of the sort of um, 
I don't know, overachievers that I had in my high school, but I definitely had a quote unquote. <laughs> Dana just raised her hand for the, for those. Uh, raised her hand. But I, Oh yeah, I forgot that this is a this is an audio but, medium. It's okay, we'll narrate. But I, I, they were, they certainly were there, and I certainly felt. I remember being in those classes and feeling insecure about the fact that they were just better than me at these things. It really is just, it's just men being ridiculously insecure of anything that threatens them, and and women threaten them on a regular basis, reasonably so. And I think that that's this, you know. I will take from my own example. I was um, maybe a bit of a Tracy Flick character. In, if you can imagine, uh, I was very much like a straight A student, very much like, you know, all AP classes. I was uh, president of a lot of teams. I feel like in high school, I was like, I was, uh, you know, like I was on the golf team. I was on the de- president of the debate team, <laughs> oh math God. team. Dana, uh, where, where did you mock trial uh, Highland Park, north of Chicago and a Chicago right, suburb. Okay. Yeah. Just like the most boring suburb in the world. But like mock trial debate, like all these clubs, I was super involved. I was the president of a lot of clubs. And like, I, I think I was like, and in, I'm trying to, to figure Okay. The only time I ever ran for student government, I did lose. <laughs> I'm just pointing this out. It was in middle school and I wrote up, um, like a really detailed plan for like what I would do as a student body president in middle school. And the girl that I lost to was just like a kind of a rich girl. It was a, a girl, but it was like sort of a rich, popular girl. And I think her campaign speech was that she would have like free sure, ice sure. cream every Friday, <laughs> which good. never happened. Good. I, I want to go on record as saying we never got free ice cream. False, false promises. And I, I false lost promises. that. False promises. And I, I did lose that election, and I am uh, very bitter. <laughs> that was be my election story. I mean, because uh, yeah, yeah. This did you run? Not, this is not. Yeah, I was fucking striver, <laughs> but I was a white boy, so I could get away with a lot of shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So what I did was, uh, I. <laughs> I I'm gonna give away the end. I lost, so I can tell this story, and I don't, you know. But the the point is, we used to run for. Um, I ran for representative to the student government, so every class had a representative. Every class had their own government, and then the class represented people to the student government, and then there were student wide elections. That was too intimidating for me. I you know I knew everyone in my grade. I mean, you were 250, but I was with them for 12 years, and I felt like I can go and like be my goofball self. So I ran with my friend Nick, and I really thought about what we were going to do. So what we did was Nick stood up in front of the the school in the gym, and he said, I was supposed to run with Kenny, but Kenny couldn't be here today. Um, uh, Oh, no. But I do have someone. We do have someone. Dana's face is priceless, by the way. it, it It is place. Do I hear sleigh bells? And I come running out in a Santa suit. And I start throwing out little like five, little like twenty five cent shit you get outside the mm-hmm. uh, like the pharmacy, and I'm and I'm going ho 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 with us every day will be Christmas. 
I bet yep. you won. Did he win? <laughs> no, we lost. Oh, so we threw it all. We threw out every. So, but but uh, but yes, that that was my thing. That I don't really think that's you know reflective of anything in the world. Well, I um, but. I didn't get in trouble, and you know, I got. I wrote my college essay. I don't. I don't think it will surprise any of our <laughs> listeners to know that I did not run for student council. Uh, I, I, it was not my thing. I wasn't. Truthfully, I wasn't really into any kind of organized school things in general. Um, but, but I, but I think that yeah. um, it does say something about a person that wants to run for student council elections in some way or another. I mean, it is a popularity contest and people like to feel, you know, popular, but I, but I also think that, um, I don't know that, that, that the three candidates in this election, in the film election are so perfectly in a different, in different lanes to speak to the different sort of, I don't want to say political lanes necessarily, but just, you know, you have Tracy obviously who, has earned it, who deserves it, who would be great at it. You've got Paul, who's a super sweet guy, but just has no business being in politics, but just like thinks it would be nice. Uh, and then you have Tammy, who's just an agent of chaos and just wants to tear apart the entire system. It's, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. I, it's very uh, Bobby it Newport and Leslie it Nope. Is. Mm-hmm. I feel like that that yes. arc on on uh, Parks and Recreation lifted heavily 100%. from this dynamic, especially like like yes. the not voting for yourself because Chris Klein's character is very much a a neo Bobby Newport and just yes. like a sweet puppy 100%. dog with blue eyes. I mean, it's I did think about that, especially in the voting booths. I thought about the the, the two on, yeah. on Parks and Rec when Leslie yeah. is voting and. And then Bobby getting pen all over himself and and not and not interested in it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I I ran for president, by the way, class president as a sophomore, against two of my best friends. It just we were like three people trying uh-huh. to get it on our transcript, and uh, and we did. Me and another friend. I voted for him. <laughs> I don't know if he voted for me, but we did the Aww. thing where we should vote for each other. I uh, didn't didn't win that election either, <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> I well, I will say as a as a Neo Tracy flick character, but I think hopefully one who was like sort of cool, <laughs> not cool, but like at least not like I feel sure, like I was sure. well liked, sort of. I hope teachers <laughs> loved me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say that sometimes. I did not have a a Mr. M who felt like there was one Mr. M. But for a very different reason. Please, Can I tell my, my really quick Mr. M story? Um, I was on the uh, golf team. <laughs> yeah, humble yeah. brag. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pretty good. I haven't played since, since high school. But like, oh, God, I feel so. You're very expo- you're very I'm like exposed the whitest right now. person in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I love uh, it. But. That season is in the is in the fall, but it's a super short season because as soon as the leaves fall in Chicago, you can't really play golf anymore. It's just too hard. Um, but I also wanted to join the school paper. And my freshman year English teacher was the head of the school paper. And the first meeting, of course, was like after school one day and I had, you know, like a golf match. And so I went to my English teacher and I was like, should I say his name? Yeah. Yeah. He's sure. not going to listen to this. I was like, Mr. It, Mr. Boot. It, is he a bad guy or a good guy? He's a bad guy. I go for it. <laughs> yeah. Burn that motherfucker. 
I was like, uh, Mr. Buccalo, I'm, I would love to join the school paper. I'm a little freshman. I want to get involved. Uh, I want to be, I want to write, but I have golf after school for the next, you know, four weeks. Could I possibly just start after in four weeks when the golf season's over? And he goes, sorry, rules are rules. If you can't come to the first meeting, you can't be on the, can't be on the newspaper. So I never, I never wrote for the school newspaper. <laughs> what a piece what of, a piece of shit. shit. And I was like, and it's so funny. My mom brings that up as like the example of like me doing the right thing, but not because I was like, I was like, oh, I really want to join the paper, but I can't. And she's like, go to your teacher and just be honest and he will yeah. help you. You know, like you go to your teacher. And so like the lesson was like, go have a face-to-face conversation, explain where you're coming from and he'll meet you halfway. And I was like, you know, I was, I'm, I'm like this overachiever. I'm like, I can do, you know, before school, whatever. And he's like, nope, sorry, rules are rules. My mom was like, I tried to teach you the right lesson and that's it didn't work. Yeah, that sucks. That's sad. That, that feels like that feels like a Mr. M moment where he was like cutting down yeah. this very eager student who really. Just I mean, there to, does. Yeah. I love the mug. Dana has a has a knives out mug, which is fantastic. Oh. Um, it says, my, yeah, that's yeah. my coffee, my uh, room. Yes. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I, I do think that there's something to the idea of these teachers, and, and, and perhaps they're primarily white men, but they're so beaten down by their job, by their lives, that they resent anyone who is filled with hope and potential and, and, and is filled with sort of um, the, the potential of success. Like this idea that like this person's going to go on and have a, a a great life because of how hard they work and how great they are. And that seems to feed into the Mr. M yeah. Tracy Flick dynamic. Yeah, I never wrote for the school paper, but I'm a writer <laughs> yeah, now, Mr. Bugalow. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, okay. I want to be careful with that. With Mr. Bugalow or with my, I my perception? No, I no, fuck Bucalo. But um, <laughs> I want to be careful with I want to be careful with the with, with the broad brush that we're using to paint teachers. Okay. Um for for a lot of reasons. Okay. And I'm not accusing you of that. I just I, I feel like that I feel like there is a little bit of that in this movie. I don't see Mr. M, at least yeah. my read of Mr. M. Is not Mr. M is a stand-in for teachers. I didn't Mr. mean to suggest M, that he was. Just to I be clear, you, I wasn't speaking. Yeah. No, no, but I, but Mr. M, as I said to you last night, is a stand-in for every half-decent yes. white man in America, and I like you know underline half and half decent. Yeah. 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 Right. Like I think that I I I think that when Mr. when the Mr. M's of the world, I think this is clear from the movie. Look, the, look at themselves in the mirror. They're able to explain everything they've done, sleep at night, uh, and feel mm-hmm. comfortable with who they are, not yeah. recognizing how much pain and suffering and abuse uh, they put forth with their aggressions, mm-hmm. micro and macro, towards the people who are beneath them on the, socio- on the socioeconomic chain in terms of particularly in this movie, yeah. age, uh, the power structure of the school, and gender. So I think that I think that that's why I, I really absolutely love this movie. 
and I feel like in his in his movies into the you know his his future movies, Alexander Payne, he started to buy into his own bullshit a little bit, where he's like, well, you know what, like. It kind of sucks being George Clooney and being the only white guy in Hawaii. It kind of sucks being George Clooney and having your white chief on, cheat on you Matthew with, Lillard. with uh, Matthew Lillard and ha- have to like figure out how to be a dad. Oh, could you? I would have. I would have sex with Matthew sure. Lillard. Matthew Lillard is great. I would have sex with both of these men. They're 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 great looking men. Um, but, but I just, I, I like, I think, I think his movies are terrible, <laughs> like terrible and racist and <laughs> stupid and, and, and this, and, and, and like the well, thing about this movie that I love so much is that all the sex in this movie is story driven and necessary. And he's making a point, in all the phallic objects, like I get the, the, the male virility and potency argument he's making, but in like sideways, he just has a crazy naked man running down the street because that's all he could think of. Yeah, like there's nothing to that. <clears throat> so, okay, but I, sorry, sorry, keep going. Yeah, I'm but done. I want to go back to to this movie to the representation that I think Matthew Broderick does so well. What you were saying, Kenny, is like, yeah, he goes to bed each night like thinking he's a good person, which is right. so clear. It's like, yeah, he's like, oh, because I show up to the football games and help students, like. Check, check, check. I have a buffer where no matter what I do, I am a good person. So it's like he the, – the moment that really in this film that, that had that uh, in stark uh, whatever for me was when he has mm-hmm. the affair with the neighbor and then he's trying to reach her and he calls her. And after the neighbor told the wife, he's like, yes. you ruined my life. Why would yeah, you right. do this to me? Where it's like, no, dude, you ruined your own life. You did it. Yeah. He thinks still, like, I didn't do anything wrong. You, in telling my wife, you ruined my life. Where it's like, no, you were responsible for that action. That, to me, that that moment of blaming women. <laughs> and one, one other thing on this that I think is really, like, obviously Tracy Flick, Reese Witherspoon created an iconic character. But I almost think Matthew Broderick doesn't get enough credit because it's the best oh, yeah. voiceover I've ever heard. Yeah. He presents the voiceover. All right, so they have a moment in the, in, in the movie early where I think it's no, Doug, Dave. the one who Dave, Dave, Dave Navani, the, 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 the one who the one who rapes Tracy. Mr. Lavani. So he pre- Dave. Yeah, I, I pre- yeah, yeah, well, he's a rapist, right? He does. She's the, a they yeah. she was a So the. And he didn't even have to go to jail. Like, that's Alexander Payne being like, eh, it wasn't so bad. It, well, it's a book. It's based on a That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> in the, uh, in, when, when Dave presents this, the story to Matthew Broderick, he presents it like, this is between us bros. Yeah. You get it, right? Between us bros. And Matthew Broderick is rightly like, what the fuck? The way Matthew Broderick presents the story to the audience is like, he doesn't even, it doesn't even sound like he's trying to convince you that he was right. He's just like, this is the crazy thing that happened to me. You're not going to believe how I wound up in New York. All these crazy things. <laughs> yeah, happened. I mean, to, to, the, to the very end. So, I mean, to the bitter end of this movie. Yeah. To the very end. I'm going to find I'm, to the to limo the moment. Limo moment. Yeah. That's yes. the break. Yeah. I'm, she cheated. She ruined my life. I'm like this very small, like nothing transgression in the grand scheme of things, considering he's the one with the power. He's supposed to be the fucking authority and moral, you know, the moral authority in this movie, but blah, 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 blah. He does, he never, in any way, it's not even not expressing remorse in a Trump way. We're like, obviously Trump knows what he's doing is wrong, but he would just never show weakness. 
it's not even entering into Matthew Broderick's mind. And what? that is so good. That scene when Tracy, when, sorry, I interrupted, but I just, I have to get the tap. That scene when, when he and Tracy are having that like tete-a-tete in the classroom and yeah. he basically blames her for getting Dave fired. And you're, and you have to pause and think as an adult, like, okay, what are the things that each is accusing the other of? What Tracy did wrong was in a fit of frustration, yes. tear down some posters. Yeah. Okay, she's a 16, 17-year-old girl. She was been frustrated by the system that he is actively trying to sabotage her. Okay, we've all done, we've all <laughs> torn down yeah. posters. Like, sure. We've all done the equivalent of tearing down posters. Whatever, that is her crime. And he <laughs> now accuses her of, I don't even know how he says it, of seducing and, and causing this good man, Dave, to, to lose his job. And you're like, how are these words coming out of your mouth and you feel like the good guy? And it's because she seems like she can take uh, she it. Also, I, guess. I do oh love that God. she attacks his inability to impregnate his wife in that scene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's incredible. Um, so let me give a synopsis for our listeners. Um, so no, no, no. So oh, God. Can, Sorry. You know. This is the oh, game. No, this is the uh, game. Jim McAllister, played by Matthew Broderick, a well-liked high school government teacher, <laughs> can't help but notice a successful student, Tracy Flick, played by Reese Witherspoon, uses less than ethical tactics to get what she wants. When Tracy runs for school president, Jim feels that she will be a poor influence on the student body and convinces Paul, a dim-witted but popular student athlete, to run against Tracy. When she becomes aware of Jim's involvement in the race, a bitter feud is sparked. Uh, it's based on the book by Tom Parada. It's adapted by Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor, directed by Alexander Payne. It opened on April 23rd, 1999, uh, against Pushing Tin, Lost and Found in Existence. It only opened on six screens. It was platformed, blah, blah, blah. It only, it, it, it only ever played on a little over 800 screens, which is sad. I actually think that if this film came out today, it would have got a re-release in the fall on a few screens in order to perhaps boost it. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it made $17 million on a... $8.5 million budget. It's got 92% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 79 from audiences. I don't know that audiences totally got this movie. It certainly feels like perhaps the, the, I think that the easy takeaway is Tracy Flick's crazy. Like, and isn't it funny how crazy Tracy Flick is? That's a, that's, a, that is a, a, a dumb superficial perspective to take from this film, but I think a lot of people did um, because they didn't really know how to process an MTV films movie with Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon that they thought was going to be sort of this. I can only assume they would think that it would be a more conventional teen comedy is basically the, the long and short of it. And what, what's interesting even about that description that you read was like Matthew Broderick thinking that Tracy would be a bad influence on yeah. the students. Like that makes it seem as though she actually does anything to like, yeah. again, he, he forced, he basically forces mm -hmm. the Chris Klein character whose name Paul. I'm forgetting. I'm sorry. Paul Metzler. Paul, Paul, lovely Paul, Paul you Metzler. Metzler. Uh, of you the Metzler. <laughs> uh, he, he forces Paul to run before uh, she tears down the poster. She hasn't done anything wrong at this point. And like, he's just projecting all yeah. of his negative feelings towards women on her, like literally the same way that people were like, oh, Hillary Clinton reminds me of my yep. nagging wife. It's like people just see a woman in power and then project every woman they've ever I mean, met. It should also her. be said, too, you know, that um, mm -hmm. the Jim McAllister is in what could be described as a I don't want a, a loveless marriage, a marriage uh, that does not feel particularly satisfying. I think that the women in his life 
he he seems to be projecting a lot of issues onto all of them. So it shouldn't be a surprise that he's doing that with Tracy. But and I think he is scared that he is sexually attracted 100%. to Tracy for sure. I mean, even just the oh, the well, the, clearly, the look yeah. on Broderick's face after Dave Devotney says, you know, what he says about Tracy um, is. I you don't, say I don't really right want ahead. to. I, no, it's a quote. You can say it. You can, you can say, say it. it. It's a quote. Really it's a quote, Phil. It's I'm a quote. Do not say it. I don't want to hear Thank you say it. I know that I was in Dana's face. I was like, she was I'm not interested in saying it. But he says something very sexually explicit. Okay. I'll say it. Dana can. Uh, long story short, he says something very sexually explicit, uh, and, and it's a smash cut. It's direct to camera. It's right down the lens. It's supposed to be shocking. It's supposed to kind of jolt you out of this, out of what can feel like a movie that sort of, uh, I don't want to say it was conventional, but up until that point felt like you kind of understood the wavelength that was on. And then this happens. And the look on Broderick's face is he's, he's horrified, but also kind of turned on at the same time. You can tell. And, I mean, more explicitly than just that that face moment, when she sort of is like, hey, will you sign, will you sign off on these signatures? And uh, she, like, puts her the- fingers on his car door in a way that he clocks and, and reads is very sexual. And uh, then he, of course, imagines her while he's having sex with his wife, which is the most explicit, you know, like, yeah, he's sexually yeah. attracted to her. Um, he blames her for that affair and he is threatened by her. And like that's why this movie is so smart in in the ways that they they don't bang you over the head with like that Matthew Broderick feels sort of impotent in his relationship and then projects all of this bullshit 100%. onto uh, I'm going to read a, a, a brief snippet of Ebert's review. He gave it three and a half out of four stars. It was on his top ten list of 99. Uh, he said, now here's a movie that's not simply about an obnoxious student, but also about an imperfect teacher, a lockstep administration, and a student body that is almost just marking time until they can go out into the world and occupy valuable space. The movie is not mean-spirited about any of its characters. I kind of like Tracy Flick some of the time and even felt a little sorry for her. Payne doesn't enjoy easy targets and cheap shots. What he's aiming for, I think, is a pair for elections in general in which the voters have to choose from among the kinds of people who have been running for office ever since high school. I think he's being a little bit kind and a little bit it's it's a weird review for a movie that he seemed to really love. Um, he, he doesn't really kind of dig into the nuts and bolts of it and he kind of buys into the the narrative of Tracy Flick being the villain which isn't great. But um, Variety said a dark, insidious, funny satire on the self-involved ways otherwise rational people can allow narrow personal agendas to lead them astray to the point of self-destruction, which I think is mm-hmm. that's, that's <laughs> yeah, that feels that feels on point. Um, I want to read something uh, briefly from uh, there's as you can imagine, it's 20th anniversary plus a post-Trump administration that led to a fair amount of think pieces about election in uh, in. 2019, one of which A.O. Scott did in the New York Times, where he said, uh, Mr. M is a monster, a distillation of human moral squalor with few equals in modern American cinema. And that Tracy Flick is the heroine who bravely, if imperfectly, resists his efforts to destroy her. Election poses a test for the audience. How despicable does a man have to behave before he forfeits our sympathy? How much does a woman, a teenage girl, have to suffer mm. before she earns it? The result, as enshrined in Tracy's status as a near universal object of contempt and Mr. M's as an afterthought, aren't especially edifying, nor are they surprising. 
Yeah. I think that's well said. <laughs> I mean, it, it is, but it, but it does, it's really interesting because it does feel like a lot of the think pieces that were written about it um, really kind of came at it from a bunch of different ways. I'm going to read one other uh, a quick thing out of uh, New York Magazine did a piece about watching election after the 2016 election. To be clear, election is still sharp and an entertaining movie, but Mr. McAllister was clearly designed as a pathetic anti-hero whose fragile masculinity was a source of humor. But I can't shake the feeling that in an era of alt-right toxicity and Gamergate attacks, McAllister's entertainment value has changed. In the late 90s, his powerless frustrations were funny and a little bit sad. But today, when groups of strangers routinely challenge their malviolence into coordinated attacks on random women whose so-called crimes are roughly the same as Tracy's, annoying others simply by existing and striving and refusing to back down from their goals, the whole affair is much darker. McAllister is no longer a powerless twerp with benignly misogynistic impulses. He's a precursor to the type of hatred that would one day drive chanting crowds and respected officials to call for the imprisonment or even execution of Hillary Clinton. As is also the case with Donald Trump, that which which seemed laughable a few years ago is now alarmingly, gruesomely real. I, I think there's something to that, but I don't know how you guys feel. Yes, I guess I always take a slight, not issue. I guess it, it always feels a little strange to to recontextualize a film when it does seem to so accurately represent aspects of human nature. Like, I think they're putting a little too much power on the film election when I do think it's more reflective than prescriptive, if that yeah, makes sense. I agree. Like, I think, that, yeah. I think that this movie is so powerful and timeless because it reflects genuine like you can you can empathize with every character even the worst ones because you're hearing their perspective but so i don't think this movie is like i feel like it just is is trying to get to the core of some fundamental part of human nature that always existed i I agree with that i I would also say too and i I think that kenny and i see eye to eye on this too is in general i don't love uh blaming movies for a thing that existed. I don't think enough people saw election back then necessarily for this to have created Gamergate, nor do I think that, you know, that the Columbine kids saw the Matrix and the Matrix is the reason for the Columbine shootings. I I, I don't see the corollary between those things and I don't I don't agree with that. But at the same time I do think that you can look at this film through that prism and see shades of of where we've where we've perhaps gone astray. Yes, but I think that that the yeah. seeds were there. The yeah, seeds exactly, made exactly, election. Exactly, yeah. It wasn't mm-hmm. election. Although I think a more interesting approach would be uh, pointing out like people who miswatched election, like people who watched election and and thought that Matthew Braddock was the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the hero. and that Tracy was the villain. I mean, it's 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 crazy. Um, villain, yeah. I, I, here's a question for you guys: Do you think there is a better movie about politics? Um, this not, not about, it depends what you're saying about politics, about the human nature of politics and like democracy. No, but about like, I think like, why sure, I, I love, I love movie about a different, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think it's great that, that, uh, Barack Obama has said this is his favorite political movie I, 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 on several occasions. I think that there is something to be said for the fact that it really, uh, understands craven emotional desires to be in politics why people perhaps do the things that they do um and it just really gets it down to its base instincts which is why i think it's perhaps the best movie yeah politics. i don't know and i think, I think oh good 
I was just saying, and about like the voters. I think that yeah. like it's not a behind the scenes about the workings of politics. It's you know, like Lincoln is a great movie about like the compromises you have to make to mm-hmm. pass a bill. But I think that this is the movie that best articulates like like the the election process. Uh, I like <laughs> I I I kind of think in the final analysis for me, this movie is least interesting as a political allegory or even a political satire. I kind of, Dana said what what Dana, you said in the beginning about the kind of the social cultural parts of an election, I think are, are definitely reflected here. But I don't really see this movie so much as a movie about an election. I see it as a movie about authority and power, who we give it to and how those people misuse it because they're, you know, unprepared to wield that kind of power. A Matthew Broderick character, you know, it's so the Matthew Broderick thing, he wakes up in the morning and he's already in, you know, the top half of the country because he's a white guy. And he's going to be given power simply because of that. The Chris Klein character is really interesting to me. I love that character. Uh, I love everything about Paul. I, I, I think he's wonderful. Paul is the biggest mis, mis, pre, missed prediction. Let's put it that way. Right? I think there was this, there was this idea back then that you can put a Sonny Bono, for instance, on the ticket mm-hmm. for the Republican Party, and he'll just win by being Sonny Bono, for instance. And it happened over and over again with Republicans, particularly in Congress, who would win just because they had mm-hmm. some name recognition. But Sonny Bono ultimately was a pretty innocuous Republican, you know, and didn't really do anything that particularly dangerous and wasn't particularly craven and wasn't particularly ambitious. And I think he was very happy to continue to have his name in the public. Sphere, and I think that's the idea with Paul, right? Paul had a certain mm-hmm. measure of celebrity in the school. He's a total airhead, nice guy, no concept of his privilege, no concept of of uh, sort of like a George W. Bush, a little bit more like a George W. Bush, yeah, a little bit more like a George W. Bush. But that's not what we have right now. <laughs> what we have is what we have is something that I couldn't possibly predict. And I kept thinking, you know, the whole Hillary-Donald Trump argument, how the worst man beat the best woman. And I think that's what they were getting at. But the worst man, like this movie didn't come close to to predicting who the worst man was. The worst man is not a bubblehead. The worst man is, is, is is a evil Nazi. But like I, I genuinely don't think we can fault this movie for not predicting. Donald <laughs> I, I'm not faulting it. I'm not faulting the movie. I'm not faulting the movie. And like I imagine, don't think- what if? What if? Imagine this movie. If they were like, wait, the winner isn't Paul or or Tracy. It's a sewer gremlin who crawled out from beneath the gym. Plot twist. Who, who said that? You know that the school is racist and like. Well, the irony of it is, which character is closest to Trump in this movie? Tammy, the one who says she's good. Yeah, the one who says she's going to drain the Trump, drain the swamp. The one who comes out and says, "This is all stupid. I hate it all." And also, by the way, Tammy gets the most votes. (laughs) They just they just disregard them because she's not on the thing. (laughs) Tammy gets the most votes. 
And there's something really creepy about this movie now that I'm thinking about it. All right, so so think about the Wait, Tammy part of it. The real villain of this movie is that that ass. I mean, I was going to say bitch, but I wasn't going to say that. No, Le- the Lisa girl Flanagan? who called Lisa Flanagan. Lisa Flanagan. Oh, much to my surprise, when Lisa asked me to come over and started blowing me. <laughs> yeah, I sure was surprised. I, I love every Paul line. She's such home. a villain. She had gay panic, and then and then she does set everything in motion in a weird way. She, yeah, she's a bad, she's a bad girl. But but so I just want to play this Tammy thing out for a minute. Tammy, Tammy is Tammy. I think is the closest to where. Look at uh, look at Beetlejuice in the background. Beetlejuice (laughs) making an appearance. the The best. I'm only saying it once. Tammy's, yeah, of course. Tammy's character is the closest to a moral center of this movie, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She doesn't do anything wrong. She, she is, she is, uh, she presents an argument that's lucid. Okay, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. If you take that argument and you extrapolate it, Tammy gets up there. Her entire platform is: elections are stupid. Vote or don't vote. Vote for me because I don't care about college. And I will disband the student government, and she, everybody's into her. And then she's the one who's suppressed by the system, right? She's the one who is super suppressed by the system. She is well, suspended, then like basically taught to expel. I think the movie is trying to say that no, she, this she, is, she wouldn't have gotten expelled if she didn't want to get expelled. She did get suspended. No, and but she, no, she, what? she she confessed on purpose because she wanted to go to. Catholic immaculate school. heart but but all true <laughs> all true i don't know if i if i believe that but i do believe she was clearly suppressed she clearly was suppressed no she's not suppressed here's the difference between her and donald trump when donald trump says i hate corruption i hate the system he's lying he loves corruption loves the system he just wants to be the one in charge and so he is like I'll say what I think is appealing to people and then use it against them. Whereas a Tammy is genuinely like, I don't care about this, genuinely does not care, and it and then and then serves her own self interest. She That's would not have been, she would That's- not have been uh, she is suspended, but she would not have been expelled if she didn't want to be expelled. That's fine. That's not the point I'm making. <laughs> the point I'm making really is yeah. is the message. The 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 anti-government, anti-authority message that she's putting out there is a message that's suppressed. And I think you leave the movie saying if you are an anti-authority, anti-government rebel, the authorities will snuff you out. Those are the pe- – and I think that's where you're supposed to identify when you're leaving the movie. And I do wonder if – and again, no blame. Mm-hmm. Not blaming the movie for this. But I do wonder if that idea was very prevalent in the 90s, mm-hmm. particularly, and the early 2000s, and today, but really like among smarter people during the Bush administration, had this idea that we just have to blow up the system. I will never forget the Rage Against the Machine music video for Testify when they the essentially Bush and Gore said, were the same. Yeah. when they had Al Gore yeah. and Bush and yeah. morphed their faces together. The idea that everybody who is part of this power structure yep. is the same and the noble position is to mm-hmm. tear it all down. I think what he's saying is the silent majority is for tearing it down. Yeah. 
Um, I yeah. think it's interesting that Thor Birch was originally cast as Tammy. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. She's good. I like Thor Birch. No, that, that, yeah. Oh, I like Thor Birch. Campbell. Yeah, I mean, I think that she, uh, she's fantastic. And, and I, I, Thora was actually on set, apparently. They started shooting and, and they, and that's why when oh, they went no. ways, they had creative differences. I don't know. But, um, the other person who was apparently in strong consideration for the Jim McAllister role was Tim Robbins, who I don't think would have been right. No. Uh, but I mean, that's, he's six foot seven. Yeah. yeah, he's too big. Um, There's yeah. a great scene where, where where McAllister is like in the beginning of the movie talking about how great he is, and he's talking to some girl outside his office who's crying about something, and she's yep. taller than he is. And I yeah. love that. I think that plays into his I, I fully too. agree. I, yeah. I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think the, I think we can all agree the casting pretty much across the board is perfect. Um, I love that they. You know, what are the yeah. things that that. Uh, uh, Alexander Payne made a big deal about in these uh, documentaries was wanting to cast people that actually worked at the school, kids that actually went to the school. This was shot in Omaha, which is where he's from. Um, one of the things that I love is so the janitor who obviously plays a significant role in this in the plot of this film. They they went to another high school that they wanted to shoot in. And they gave the script to the principal. They read the script and they're like, no fucking way you're shooting that at this school. But they really wanted the janitor from that school, but he didn't want to do it, and they lured him by giving him a six-pack of beer, which I think is unbelievable. So it's the oh. real janitor from this other school. Did they put each each beer like 30 feet apart? But I just think it's, I think it's amazing. <laughs> a trail of beer from one school And then the, the way they got the other school to get on board was they only gave them the scenes of the school scenes. So when they only read those Ooh. scenes, they're like, oh, this seems fine. But then when they saw the actual finished film, there's like all this shit that's going on that they would never want to be associated with. So uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, Can please? I say my, my favorite that I imagine that the schools would not have wanted to be associated with is when he's in the motel and he's squatting in the bathtub washing his dick. Can I just oh say, just, <laughs> it needs to be said that um, – because that moment is unbelievable that uh hold on alexander alex alexander alexander Payne said when asked about what attracted him to the project Payne admitted there was a single shot that won him over it has this one shot and that shot cracked me up and i wanted to do the film because of it Payne said the scene of mr mcallister is supposed to meet linda at a cheap motel he puts champagne in the sink puts ice uh in the (laughs) in the sink and then there's a shot where he's in the bathtub washing his ass and balls and his dick he's squatted over the bathtub watching himself the whole film was pretty much made just for that shot I'm so sorry. I said just dick. Clearly, he's also washing I his ass. He got I'm okay. I No, this is mine. I was not watching carefully enough. I, I missed the central text of this film. That is That's on amazing. me. And I, I apologize for, for misreading of this film. Bad. There's yes. another scene, and I think it's, it's, it's much like this washing of the dick ass and <laughs> where early mm-hmm. in the movie, I love this movie so much. Early in the movie, you have McAllister going through his yes. daily routine. And you show him in the shower. Yep. And he washes his ass. Well, that's <laughs> normal, right? Everyone very, normal. Very, very normal. Very normal. 
but you never show it in a movie yes. where people you never show it in a movie where people are yep. are showering because it's so humiliating to watch yeah. someone else watch wash their ass. It's yeah. so it's like you you, you, uh, you feel like you are like you you are like violating that person by by and, and you he, just standing in front of you doing this most vulnerable thing possible washing his ass and at yes. that moment. I know exactly what the movie's going to be, and I want to contrast that with what happens in American yeah. Beauty. I was going to say contrast it with Ferris Bueller, the coolest shower in the but world. Yeah, but yeah, no, <laughs> and then, yeah. I know. That's a, but that's yeah. a really yeah. good point, right? So you contrast it with, with Ferris Bueller's a great contrast because – that says who Ferris Bueller is. <laughs> Ferris Bueller is he's so he's yeah. so Fun cheeky. Cool. He's so cheeky. He lets you in the shower. It's another party. <laughs> like what a but in American Beauty, and again, I think American Beauty is high, a very flawed movie, but American Beauty announces itself in very much the same way. Kevin ba- Kevin Spacey goes through his daily. I wish it was movie. Kevin Bacon. I, well, I've, I've already seen his dick. But Kevin Spacey – in Wild Things, guys, easy. In Kevin Spacey, also a shower scene where you see his – And dick, Hollow Man. But Kevin Spacey yeah. and Hollow Man. see his hollow penis. Kevin hollow Spacey – sorry I keep saying that name, CW um, – starts that movie by going through his day. And the highlight yep. of his day is masturbating in the shower, right? Mm-hmm. A less embarrassing act than wiping your own ass, uh-huh. and also an act that signals like this guy, this, this this guy's still thinking about sex a lot. You know, this guy's still looking; he's looking to fuck. So it's not quite as embarrassing as I think Alan Ball thought it was. I don't think it. I, all it does is make me think in that movie like. This guy's yeah. kind of sad, but like I'm not humiliated. He's he's a little pathetic, like but that. in this, it's it's off. yeah, it's a different level. I agree with that. I think that the genius of this role, and this is my favorite Matthew Broderick performance, because I always thought that Matthew Broderick is like a like. I don't think Ferris Bueller is a good fit for him. He doesn't read to me as a cool dude, even though he, yeah, he pulls either. that off well. But you know, the genius. Someone has talked about you know the genius of of an actor is being able to use like their mm-hmm. inherent quality. And pull that into a role. Like I find Matthew Broderick's inherent quality to be sort of embarrassing, <laughs> and I think that yeah. it is. He's sort of like a like this is the perfect role for him for me, and I think that it's very brave of him to do such a um, the the uh, the equivalent of washing your ass and dick and balls on camera. Mm-hmm. I agree. Role. I no, agree. It's, it's a, a very brave. Not not many actors maybe would have been willing to do that. And there's something so perfect to his credit about like Broderick, and you know Broderick had a Broderick was a great looking kid, right? Like he was, he was he, like I'm not saying he was like the the most stunningly handsome yeah. Tom Cruise type kid, but like he had a face, and he was just a he was a really yeah. great looking kid. But there's something perfect about Ferris Bueller getting lodged into the mind of everyone, and and I had the same feeling you had, Dana, which is essentially like. I'll go with it. Yeah. But like, this is the coolest guy in the school. I've been to school. I know what the coolest guy yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, so there's something to, 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 to that, that beneath the Ferris mm-hmm. Bueller veneer was this embarrassing it's, guy it's, that plays really well in, in the horrible movie oh, Cable Guy. I love too. that movie. Sorry, mm-hmm. but I love the Cable Guy. Um, so I want to just, I want to talk, 
I think it. you should watch it. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it. You should. I think it's kind of an important moment. It's own weird way. There's two quotes I wanted to, to to read real quick, just in terms of the not just the development of the film, but just sort of a studio involvement. So uh, Van Toffler, the executive producer and current president of MTV, uh, said that year. Uh, the three movies we tried to get made were Election, Go with Doug Lyman, and Being John Malkovich from Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman. Election was the one we got made. The whole premise behind MTV Films was that to make movies differently than everyone else, talk to our audiences of young people uniquely, and take chances on new writers, new filmmakers, new visionaries, and not go through the Hollywood system. Election fits squarely in terms of where the brand was going. No one had done anything like that. Alexander Payne was someone we had all met and felt based on Citizen Ruth, had a vision that was going to be a force to be reckoned with for many years to come. I think it's interesting that they had that perspective. I think that Kenny and I have talked about MTV films. There's four of them in 1999. Uh, Varsity Blues, The Wood, Election, and... 200 cigarettes. 200 cigarettes. Um, four different, very different films, but but I think it's really very interesting to see the way that they had sort of come at that. The other person I want to quote real quick is Sherry Lansing, who was the former CEO of Paramount Pictures at the time. She said, my feeling is that Alexander watched the film with an audience and felt that he wanted to get out there. What, uh, what he wanted to get out there wasn't getting out there. The studio was in love with this movie. I was willing to put the extra money in to allow that, him to have his vision. It's what makes it a classic. The process is always you put it in front of an audience and you, and you listen to it and see what they say. We were willing to put whatever amount of money was necessary to allow the film to be everything that he and all of us wanted it to be because we believed in it so much. That belief has been justified. It certainly didn't do $100 million or whatever the magic number is, but it's, it was never supposed to this was a small film done at a modest price that money was justified because it's become a classic film um i think it's really interesting the way that in this documentary they talk about how this film almost went straight to video this this movie was was dangerously close to being dumped um they they shot it they had an original ending that i'd like us to talk about real quick but that ending and just the film in general wasn't working with audiences and it almost got dumped. And it's only because Sherry Lansing watched the film, saw the potential of the film and was willing to give them what I can only assume was probably another probably million dollars or something close to it in order to shoot what is now the ending that we've come to know and love. Um, I think if that ending doesn't get shot, this film gets dumped and and we don't have the movie that we have today. Um, And I say that just because, you know, studio executives get vilified a lot. You know, we talk a lot about, as writers, as directors, what have you, we talk about the the puppet masters, the people that control the purse strings. And every now and then, maybe more times than we're willing to give credit to, something like this happens where a studio executive sees the potential of something and is willing to to ride for it. And I think that's really special and something to be commended. But what what was the original? Uh, I sent you the original. Do you remember the YouTube clip? You did. You didn't watch it. Oh, <laughs> that's fine. I, uh, that's I, fine. Uh, um, Phil, why don't you explain yeah, because to us you in detail? It. Um, basically, the long and short of it, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised uh, that you guys, it was two and a half minutes, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I, I forgot. No, 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 it's fine. I, 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 I'll, I'll explain it to you guys because I do think it's worth talking about. The original ending of the film... I did, I did watch it. I was just testing. The original ending of the film, McAllister yeah. is a car dealer at, uh, at a Ford dealership or something like that. Uh, Tracy comes to this, to this dealership to buy a car because she's graduated and, um, and truthfully, they have a very sweet heart to heart conversation where she explains how you know bad she feels about everything that went down and he says that he's sorry about the way things happened and she gets him to sign her yearbook 
And it's, it literally feels like it's from a completely different fucking movie. Like it's, it's not bad. It's not terrible. Like it's well acted. It's well directed, but it literally feels like they made this, you know, piercing indictment of all sorts of things, this, this sharp satire and then pulled their punch at the end because they were afraid to make a movie that was that perhaps that sharp or that piercing or whatever the, the, the right terminology is. Um, so they, they shoot this ending, they, they show this ending, and understandably, audiences were like, well, what is, I don't, I don't understand why you'd want this ending on this movie. Uh, yeah, I don't want, I don't want them to be, yearbook. I don't want them to be on good terms. I mean, the whole point of this is that these two people are, are drastically dissimilar and that he would obviously hold some sort of a grudge against this person, no matter what, because he's a flawed person, he's a shitty person. Um, so long story short, that's the original ending of the film. Um, they obviously shot this other ending. Uh, they were given the chance to shoot this other ending outside the White House, nonetheless. Um, and, and, and it's, and it's, it's, you know, Matthew Mark Broderick has talked about how he was able to hit the limo with the drink on the first take. And then they did 18 more takes and he was unable to do so. <laughs> um, it's, it's such a good <laughs> shot. It's such a good yeah. shot. They should have just what cut. It's like, it looks like a milkshake. What yeah, what drink? Is, yeah, it's like it's so thick. It's so viscous. Yeah. Drinking a milkshake. That's what he would do. That but I would also say, too, that part of the genius of that of the end, and we'll, we're going to walk through the plot, but I, I want to say that the, the, the shot of the reverse of Broderick across the street looking tiny from from the limo's perspective of like across the street, just looking like this small little man, this pathetic guy is just is perfect. And and this idea that Tracy is going to go of on course. to these big important things, like in his mind, Tracy has right. been unleashed. Right. I think that, and I'll, yeah. I just I'll say one last thing about this original ending is what I what perhaps I hate most about it is that all the stuff we've talked about about McAllister's character and how how deplorable and awful he is, this other ending almost comes close to getting to a place to say, he's not that bad. And that, yeah. to, that to me no, is, is, is the worst thing about it. Like this new ending is obviously filled with some great jokes. I love the New York apartment. Um, it, it's, it's filled with some great stuff. Um, and, and, but it, it doesn't give him any slack. It's, he's a shithead until the end of the movie. No. And I don't want anything that gives us even the slightest bit of, of leeway in that part. And I love that his own, that we have that break with his voiceover, that finally yeah. he has been painting himself as this, this nice, mm-hmm. you know, nice guy. And then at that moment he has his, his break yeah. from that yeah. narrative. Um, literally. So let's, let's just, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. The, that original ending, ending that I watched several times. Um, the problem. I love how I'm the I asshole for watching the earth. <laughs> you're not me too, buddy. I, I keep going and going and going. I, know, I, I couldn't get enough. Um, <laughs> the problem it sounds like is, uh, is it ended as if it were two people who were like, yeah, you did some shit. I did some shit. <laughs> like you, you were an asshole. I was an asshole. Let's just let's let bygones be bygones. And I think that uh, I think that that is a lot fucking closer to the Alexander Payne I know, but um, <laughs> but uh, this this new ending this new ending is uh, is appropriate. Now, don't get me wrong; like 
Which do we know which ending is in the book? Uh, the ending in ending? the book is similar to the end, the original, the the first shot ending. Um, but it should also be said too that the book, which I have not read, so I can't speak obviously too much about it. But I'll say this: um, the book Tracy is far more. Um, let's just say using her sexuality. It's a lot. There's there's a lot more oh, of sort enough. of her, you know, kind of puppet mastering through her sexual wiles, if you will. Um, this this is not that, right? Like, I think that obviously Payne and Taylor read the book or you know, read the script, whatever, um, or the, the treatment that he wrote. And I, I think that their takeaway was obviously to do something far more about, you know, toxic masculinity and, and what the film that we've seen today. So I think they tried to keep his ending... But didn't, but didn't necessarily be as true to his book in the first, sure. you know, ninety percent of it. So it's just, it's, it's a weird kind of, it's jarring. Someday you guys should watch it. It's interesting. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, so the plot of this movie, just so we should walk through this, because obviously we love this film, but I just sort of want to talk about the big, big kind of turns in it, but... The movie essentially opens with showing how pathetic Jim McAllister is from essentially the jump. Uh, uh, He's kind of doing a workout routine. He's cleaning out a fridge. He throws some Chinese food on the ground. We see a janitor that that walks by and is obviously depressed by that. Um, We see a bunch of flashbacks of how great a teacher he is. Like, Wait, do you think he was – sorry, do you think he was depressed because he threw the food No. No, I think we what a pathetic. No, I mean the has. janitor. The I think is thinking yeah. he's not going to clean that up, and I'm going to have to clean that up. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Same, all right. Same. Same page. Same page. That's the janitor right. is yeah. depressed by that. Um, yeah. And we basically get to see how great a guy Jim McAllister is in terms of a teacher. We see a flashback of him doing a bunch of stuff, um, and then he gives a lecture to his students about morals and ethics. Which is really the crux of this movie. And I kind of love that this movie never actually has anybody define it. <laughs> they come close to it a couple times, but they never actually say what the difference between morals and ethics is. Yeah. I, I want to say something. I think there's a better than zero <laughs> chance that within the next 10 years, and I'm not just saying this, Dana is writing the ethicist for column. New York Times. She might be writing it right now for all we know. I feel I feel like, are you writing the ethicist? I feel like you are the kind of person who who 
you could write that, that <laughs> Dana's face. And I was know, like, you know maybe the, I am. You know the column. You know the column. I'm, you know the column I'm talking about, I, right? I read the episodes. Yeah. Right, and I feel like at some point it could be you. <laughs> so, you. Dana, yeah. what is your take on morals versus ethics in terms of this movie and in terms of life? It is my understanding that, and I might be wrong on this. I, Mr. McAllister, has never been my teacher. That. Uh, morals are an intrinsic guide to right and wrong and ethics are a code that a society collectively agrees that is on. my that is my understanding of that too <laughs> and how do you think that's reflected in this movie oh this is a good essay question uh it's, it's my first question to the ethicist i i, I mean it's like uh, you tracy's behavior of like tearing down the posters she d- Tracy does more ethical wrongs and Mr. McAllister does more moral wrongs. You know, yeah. Tracy not confessing to the, to tearing down the posters, to lying about it. Uh, the, those are legal school infractions where what Mr. McAllister does, like convincing Paul to run, sort of uh, undermining her in these subtle ways, fantasizing about his student. Like these are things Cheating that are illegal, but they are wife again uh thank you uh again things that aren't illegal but are are big moral wrongs i think tracy is a fundamentally moral person but maybe not an ethical one and vice versa kenny and then sorry furthermore follow up do you think ultimately the movie the the writers of the movie directors of the movie etc are placing morals above ethics on a value ladder uh, in your head or in, in our collective well, I th- heads? I, th- I think it's a Rorschach test then for the viewer because mm-hmm. I watch this movie and never for a second am I like, oh, uh, Mr. M is the hero here. Like, I'm always like, oh, my God, what an asshole. The fact that, like, he didn't turn Dave in to the to the principal. You know, it was her her mom that did, like, Dave, his, his friend who was sleeping with Tracy and, like, the fact that he's like, oh, Dave's a good guy. He just made a mistake. You know, mm-hmm. like I, from the go out, am like, Mr. McAllister is a piece of shit and I don't mm-hmm. like him. And I don't like the way he bullies in subtle and unsubtle ways, Tracy, when he should nurture her and encourage her, uh, you know, or her good qualities. And so I would read that the, that the movie is like, you know what? The world and politics are going to be people who, Use unethical behavior to get ahead, mm-hmm. but we should we should focus on the moral good. But then, you know, hearing people from '99 watching this and reading it who think that Tracy is the the villain, yeah. people read it differently. Yeah, I mean, I think that. Yeah, I mean, mixed into all of this is obviously sexism, <laughs> so it's like that that kind of kind of puts a spin on everything, right? I mean, I, I think that. Um. I don't personally even think that that Tracy's ethical transgressions are are even that severe. I mean, they're not even close to being severe, right? I mean, no, they're yeah, passion. Yeah. Acing, you know, they're um, yeah. I I do have one more kind of question about um on the, in, in mm-hmm. this line. I'm just gonna uh sh- you know stall for time. While I try to <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it's incredibly insightful, but I forget shit literally all the time. 
Um, but yeah, yeah I forgot. Right? Yeah. Um, no, go ahead. I'll so basically, you know, we're, we're introduced to Tracy in the classroom. She's raising her hand. They do some very unflattering freeze frames of her that Reese Witherspoon said <laughs> she was pissed about oh. when she saw the first screening. Yeah, go ahead. Last question. And this kind of goes off on Phil's point about how much sexism is wrapped up into this. Because of you, the, what, what triggered in my head was the, the unflattering freeze frames. Yeah. And Tracy is also the only one who has kind of a, a battle cry in her head. Whenever you know Morricone whenever score? Whenever something goes yeah. wrong. She's, yes, exactly. She's always, so, so how much... It's an interesting it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of question to me. How much does the movie want you to identify Tracy as the villain? And again, like protagonists are different from heroes, antagonists are different from villains. She's clearly the antagonist of the piece. But is she the villain of the piece? Now, I think we think obviously not. Right? Obviously right. not, but that's a 2020 mindset. Like, I wonder what was intended in 1999. I also wonder <clears throat> for someone who was not like, I see a girl like raising her hand and not being called on because the teacher's thinking like, let's give someone else a chance. And like, I was always that girl. Like I always, you know, was like hand up right away yeah. and being like over here, over here. Like, so I see that and I see myself, but I wonder if other people watch that who were not that person in high school and instantly see Tracy and is like, oh, that annoying girl. So I am biased and I, it's difficult for me to, uh, to read that impartially because I, I, think that, I am very much a Tracy flick. I think, and no offense to you, Fair. I think that that was a archetypical or excuse me, archetypal villainous character. Indeed, right? it is. The girl who sits in the front of the class. The girl who sits in the front of the class and raises her hand, I think, has been villainized forever. So I, th- I don't know. I hate doing this. I hate doing this. I wonder how much of this was incidental. Like the good. M- you just really hate Alexander Payne. No, I love Alexander Payne, and I love this movie. And it's not, you know, it's it's. It doesn't affect my my read of the movie, which I still think is brilliant and perfect. But I'm having a hard time with the A.O. Scott declaration that Broderick was intended to be the villain and Tracy was intended to be the hero. Authorial intent doesn't matter. It's the film. Authorial intent only matters if you're inviting Alexander Payne to a dinner party. I watched this movie... And I'm like, it's perfect. I don't care what Alexander Payne thinks or uh, how he read this movie. Because again, I'm not, I'm not marrying Alexander Payne. If I was going on a, if I was going on a first date with Alexander Payne, this (laughs) argument would matter to me. But but it's a perfect movie as it exists. I agree with you. You know, that's it's 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 my argument's a little different, which is a like. Eric Carrasco said on our podcast now like 18 months ago, and it's kind of been a guiding light for me, assume intention, right? Always assume intention. If you take something from a movie, assume it was intended by the the author, which is, I think is, you know, just a sister argument for your point about authorial intent doesn't matter. And it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. However, my however is basically like it does matter 
to me when discussing the mechanics and the construction of this movie. It doesn't change. And as I said at the beginning of this point, it doesn't change my opinion on this movie. And I do think almost everything was, you know, to your point, Swiss watch perfection, right? But I'm having a hard, what I'm having a hard time doing is circling the square when it comes to this idea that like, is Tracy really in the context of the movie? Is Tracy really presented as a hero? And we don't, don't need know. to. I think your point is well made in that I don't think Alexander Payne needs to be lauded as a feminist hero for this movie because I don't think it is a particularly rich feminist text. It is a text that depicts a universal uh, dynamic that that feminists then use to, to make their points. Like, I, I agree with you that it seems misplaced to be praising Alexander Payne because this is, I think, as, I, as I'm now just talking in a circle, I think it is a descriptive. I would also, I would also say, too, movie. for what it's worth, I, and, and listen, I obviously don't know this for a fact, but I imagine that if you sat Alexander Payne down either during the process of making this film and said, who is the hero and who is the villain of this film? I'm not sure he'd have an answer for you. I don't, I don't right. I'm not sure right. you need an answer. Yeah. Like that's the, the I, that's yeah. not what I'm, I'm saying. I'm not saying every movie has to no, have I, a I get that. You have I, to have a protagonist. Yeah, I that's all you have to have. So well, Broderick know, is the protagonist yeah, pretty clearly, explicitly. Clearly. So you have to have a protagonist and you, generally have to have an antagonist to create conflict like that's easy stuff um you don't have to have a hero Mm -hmm. and a villain you can be you know you can have shades of gray and that's what i think this movie kind of was Mm -hmm. going for i think ao scott's point was that no 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 like if anything like she's a very light gray and he's a very dark gray bordering on black um i think his just 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 and he's definitely he's definitely a very dark gray bordering on black like uh, definitely but like i think there's something very weird to me like about putting her with the Republican senator at the end, that kind of is signaling like well, that's I mean I, I hear where you're coming from that? on that, and and A.O. Scott talks about that actually in the article. There's two things I want to piggyback on your thought here, Kenny. The first is A.O. Scott's uh, the headline of that article was how we got Tracy Flick wrong. I think that the the article is about essentially the misreading of the film back in '99 and what that says about us. As a culture, it's less about whether or not he was trying to say, a, give a black and white answer to it. I think he was just saying, we read this as black and white in the opposite back in 99. So maybe we should consider the inverse of that today and the reasons for that. He also says that there's a Guardian article that came out a couple years ago as well that talks about how. Literally, the opening of the article is ridiculous. It's like there's an M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end of election, and that's that she's a Republican. And I'm just like, okay, you like it is absurd. That article, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't even really want to quote it, but it, it really kind of goes down this rabbit hole of that by calling her a Republican and by shining a bright light on her Republican tendencies that she was clearly the villain and this is why and mustache twirling bullshit that I just wasn't willing to obviously, yeah. You think that this incredibly conservative girl from Omaha, Nebraska, you're surprised that she's a Republican in 1999? That's insane. I'm not surprised. (laughs) I'm just saying it was a choice to highlight it and it's shorthand for Mm -hmm. Danger Will Robinson. 
So I, I, <laughs> I know what I want the movie to be, and I know what I've taken from the movie, and I know that like that that it that it has enough distance from its characters that it's not presenting her overtly as a villain, and I could be comfortable with with what the movie is in the end of the day, and I am <laughs> comfortable with it. But I also think that there's enough there that makes me think that it's too gray. It's well, I think that's that's what the point is. I don't think this movie would be good if she was she's an interesting female character because she's not just like a a Mary Sue. She's not just like a boring uh, overachiever who gets the world thrown at her. Like she is a little malicious and she is a little mm-hmm. like self-serving and that as a on behalf of all women, I will say this is a movie and I like seeing interesting, compelling female characters. I like the fact that she is gray. And just because she is gray doesn't mean that Matthew Broderick is justified in what he does. And that's what I like. About I hear a dog. I, it's, but it's, I, I, I agree with that. Sorry <laughs> about my dog because my daughter's trying to get him. I agree with that completely. The character yeah. is gray and that's cool and that's great. It's the presentation that concerns me. Can it's I also the, say it's the battle cry in her head? It's the it's the freeze frames on the funny faces. It's these these things that she that that they only do to her. That's all editorial. I think I think they make Paul look silly as well. I think they I think, I think they poke fun at at everybody in this movie. Yeah, Paul I is think, silly. I think they make Paul look silly. And again, Matthew Broderick is washing his dick and balls. They make him look silly. They should look silly. Um, but the thing with Tracy is her bad freeze frames. I think those are in the head. They're always yeah, during the narration true. of of uh, of Mr. McAllister. I so I that. think that is how how they make sense in my head. That it's not Alexander Payne doing this freeze frame. It is McAllister. The math in McAllister yeah, narrating the story, and we're in McAllister's head, and he's like, "This woman is ridiculous. He is yep. biased from the beginning, and he is trying to it's- humiliate her in." From that freeze frame, it's showing he's trying to humiliate her in subtle ways. I, I completely agree. I would also go. say too, you know, the 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 linchpin moment, the turning point, whatever you want to call it, the moment when he sees her face when she's happy that she found out she won, and there's that freeze frame of her jumping up and down in the window, and he literally mm-hmm. sees her face, and that's the moment when he decides to rig the election and to throw and to throw away the the votes, and this disdain that he has towards her that you feel from literally the first second they meet at the beginning of the film, like when he sees her um, the morning after, like on that first morning when she's got her clipboards and she's ready and she wants her signatures and all that sort of stuff. And he's walking into the school. Like you can tell that he already hates her from, from literally the first second he sees her. So I don't know. It does feel like it's more that, that this, vision or perspective that we have of Tracy, this negative perspective is really because our protagonist hates her so much as opposed. Can I also say a thing that I really liked, sorry, a thing that I really liked that I didn't notice uh, the first time I saw this movie. And that is my own dumb thing is that um, the way the font on her, the sans serif font on her buttons makes flick look like fuck. Fuck. I know. I I didn't notice that the first time I saw that. And it just is very it's, funny it's, to me. It's definitely they, they, on purpose. Well, they did oh, a couple sure. of them on purpose. Yeah. There's so yeah. many phallic things. Well, yeah, look, it's so on purpose because it's like a, the sans serif <laughs> yeah, yeah. font. Like, I just wrote it out. Well, they actually, I, the production you know, designer like, said that what, they what did intentionally do a handful of cupcakes that said fuck rather than flicks. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's funny. 
Um, yeah, I'm with all this, and like, and now I'm like kind of vacillating a little bit. Now I'm thinking like maybe it's in maybe it's important to the movie to make her as I think we can agree that she's unlikable, right? I love and her. But- I like her. Mm, you love her. She's supposed to be unlikable. You want to be her friend? I do. I'd be Tracy's yeah, friend. I would. I would. I. Phil, you're friends with me. I'm a. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I. I know I'm getting into. I know I'm getting into dicey territory by using the word unlikable, but I think that's clearly what they're intending with this character, and I think that that there's a certain amount of brilliance to making her somewhat detestable, but having never committed any actual crime. Yeah, that's that's sort of I think I agree with you. Like that is the the, the point of this movie where it's like for a minute you're kind of supposed to be on McAllister's side where you're just like, but she's so annoying. And then this movie is supposed to be like, oh, well, that's a fucked up way to to be. (laughs) Particularly with a student. I think that that is hopefully what it is in the end of the day again. And, and, you know, and I'm arguing against myself, but. Even to the even to the point that she's working for a Republican in and of it, in and of itself without context in yeah. 1999 is not a crime. Correct. Correct. Right. Is not necessarily yeah. bad. And actually, back then, the Republican from Nebraska was the guy who went on to be Obama's defense secretary, Chuck yeah, Hagel. Overachiever type A is a from Nebraska is a Republican is like the the least interesting thing in the world to me like that is shockingly the fact that someone read that is a big deal it's like what kind really- of idiot are you <laughs> sorry guardian writer no it's not that it's a big deal it's that it's they made a point of saying it at that moment mm-hmm. but i do think it's a double-edged sword right i do think that there is like a certain element of like watch out for this girl and another element which is like but what has she really done right yeah, no, I agree. With and that. I think that I, I I don't really mean to argue against myself. I'm just I truly like deeply madly love this movie, and I think part of it is how much meat there is on this bone. I have two very important no, no, points. Phil, you go first. Go ahead. No, I was no, I was please, no I was please, I was just going to try to get us back into the plot. So go ahead. <laughs> go oh, ahead. This go is ahead, off plot. What I'm going to say. Please, I hate. <laughs> My two very important points are that um, my cat crawled onto my lap. Yes, he's, he's Eddie's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's still here. And uh, I, throughout this conversation, I've been doodling <laughs> Tracy Flick, and I want. Can you yes. please take a picture of that and send oh it to me God. so we can put that on our on Holy our uh, Instagram feed? Did you say no? I thought you were taking. I thought you were taking notes the whole time to like no. like like. A I love that picture. Thing. That is amazing. Yeah. You know. I, I've just oh, been wow. doodling. I'm so I am a doodler. I can't focus. Really no, I, I mean, there's I, I I don't know if you're this way, Kenny, but there are lots of people in writers' rooms that have to doodle. Like they just they're one of those like. All right, there you go. See, uh, yeah, yes, constantly doodle doodle doodling. Amazing, that's amazing. Long doodle doodle. Um, so at, yeah, see, and I'm the trainer because I'm like my doodles are better than his. <laughs> it's a great doodle. You're a great doodler. <laughs> Um, so at this point, I don't even know if you could call what she did a doodle, to be honest. That's a yes, word. it is. So at oh, this well, point, uh, basically, Dave Novotny, Jim's best friend and fellow teacher, 
lost his job and his wife after Tracy's mother discovered that her daughter was having a sexual relationship with him. Um, McCallis justifiably, justifiably upset. Jim is bitter that his best job. friend suffered grave consequences for the relationship while Tracy's mother intervened to protect Tracy. Uh, there is an amazing moment here that I love, um, which is we see the camera uh, is is filled. The frame is filled with uh, a love letter card from Dave Novotny to Tracy mm-hmm. Flick that literally looks like something a child would draw. And he signs it, your quote-unquote teacher, Love Dave. Oh, and man. then the, the card falls out of frame, and we see Dave Devani is in the principal's office sobbing. And the principal says, <laughs> did you cross a line with this girl? To which Dave Devani, I'm not going to even come close to his, his line reading, but he says, but we're in love. And he's just got tears coming down his face. <laughs> and it's just, it's an amazing moment. That actor is tremendous. He's a total fucking like disgusting animal person. But like the, the, the way that they lay out their relationship, her being in his living room with the crib receded in the background him giving oh her a root God, beer. Man. The way she drinks the root beer is very childlike. Um, and then he plays, what is it, Three Times a Lady or whatever that song is? Three Times a Lady. Yeah. As he walks to, <laughs> as he, <laughs> as he walks her into his bedroom. And it is just like, he's a monster. He's a terrible person. Uh, he deserves a fate worse than the one that he got. They also- yeah, he deserves to go to prison. <laughs> Yes, he does. And he also deserves to have his affair with the 15-year-old shot in a humiliating <laughs> fashion. Unlike yes. in yes. American yeah. Beauty, where it's fucking the most beautiful yeah. scene with the tra- with Annie Annie Lennox pumped in with like an incredibly romantic song. <laughs> The the what the the rain coming down the moonlight shooting through the the windows everything about it is like this is destiny. How do you feel about American Beauty, Kenny? Like just like because I'm not I don't get a sense from this that that you're. I think America. I think American. I think American Beauty is the is the movie that thinks fucking seventeen year olds is cool. When you I uh, yeah, I think yeah. I think American Beauty I think American Beauty thinks that that all all society needs are men to embrace their inner you know high school quarterback and go fuck the the I do cheerleader uh, it doesn't matter how old you are as long as the cheerleader is I still completely agree with you and I do think that this is is the inverse of that movie in a lot of ways for sure um, it is which is yeah. you know why it is as, as brilliant as it is so Tracy announces that she's running for student council president she informs Jim that the Yep. I want to make one other point about American Beauty versus Election, which I didn't even consider mm-hmm. when I when we were when I was watching this. And again, this also kind of speaks to what we're talking about because you know what did uh, Mina Savari really do? Like in the end of the day, like I, I think the way these stories are presented really matters mm-hmm. big time. Reese Witherspoon is dressed and looks like Correct. a fifteen-year-old mm-hmm. high school mm-hmm. student. And that matters mm-hmm. to me. Like, that matters to me that it's never presented as anything that anybody mm-hmm. should desire. Whereas American Beauty, like, you have – they don't even want you to challenge yourself. They don't even want you to challenge yourself to start thinking this is wrong, yeah. this is bad. Like, as we remember from the Roger Ebert review, the, Roger Ebert said this is what every man truly yeah, desires. I mean – 
It is. It, it's you know. They they are very interesting counterbalances in in this sort of. You know, we talk a lot about toxic masculinity because there's really it's it's pretty rampant in 1999, or at least in the films that we've been covering. And this film seems like far more of an indictment of that. But I would also say too, you know, not to not to belabor the point, but the original ending really rounds the edges off of this thing to the point where it's a lot closer to saying that it's okay what Dave Novotny did, what McAllister did. Um, so it's interesting that they got a chance to to recalibrate the film. And I wonder whether or not there's something to be said for how you know studios perceived this kind of behavior back then. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad that audiences realize that that tonally doesn't work. Like, you want to see, I want the ending where Mr. McAllister is throwing his stupid fucking milkshake at this limo where he's just this, like, pathetic small figure, and she's someone who's going to look, whether through means good or bad, she's someone who's going to go on to be an achiever. I agree. Um, So, basically, yeah. Well, you but just uh, on the same point, they had some good test audiences. Yeah. Because which like, is rare in its own right. You can't you, you can't you can't discount the fact that American Beauty was a cultural, you know, phenomenon and one best picture. Like what they did worked in ninety nine. Like the kind of the overt misogyny, the overt like lecherous lecher lecherousness and the grooming and yep. all that stuff tapped into something in a way that made people comfortable that really like speaks to, I think why that movie was so lauded and this movie, even if you, you know, extrapolate to the, the other movies that really kicked the shit out of male toxicity, like fight club and, and matrix that, uh, you know, have been lauded for other reasons. Um, didn't quite have the effect that American beauty had. I would also, I would also say too, there's something also to be said about, um, American Beauty, and 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 we, you know, we don't need to go on a huge thing about American Beauty, but I'll say this: I do think that um, that movie is more accessible in a in a myriad of ways. It's going out of its way to be a lot more sort of universal. Its jokes, quite frankly, are a lot more. I don't want to say middle brow, but they're certainly not as edgy as the ones in this movie. This movie goes out of its way to make you uncomfortable. This movie goes out of its way to make you unsure of who, as we've been talking about, is the hero, who's the villain. It goes out of its way to keep you uh, at arm's length and uncomfortable. American Beauty goes out of its way to do the opposite. So it's not a surprise that American Beauty makes $350 million. Um, It's also about, you know, suburban... Uh, America in a way that is a lot more accessible. Um, so again, and I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying American Beauty is a better movie than this because it's clearly not, but this film is prickly and strange and that's what makes it wonderful. And American Beauty is, you know, not trying to do that, but it, I think it is trying to do that. I, I, but not, not to like just straight up disagree. I think it is trying to be prickly and strange. I just think ultimately it was a prickly and strange that I think people were very comfortable. Sure. I think it's a prickly and strange in a way that secretly indulges people in the way that they all want to be indulged in the way that they're like, 
hey, if you're attracted to the 17-year-old cheerleader, that's okay. That's okay. But that's not transgressive. That's like what every porn movie that's has ever been. Say, oh, like, that, that, is a, that, that is a call. Fairly legal. Right? Like, oh. The, yeah, the babysitter—that's like, not transgressive. And the movie. But I would also say is. too that you know, American Beauty is also—I mean, for for what it's worth, trying to be a lot more Oscar baity. You know what I mean? It's 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 built to be a much more sort of critical darling. This movie is is essentially built in the opposite direction. As as brilliant as this film is, uh, it's as you said, literally in the first minute of doing this, it's a miracle that we got this movie. That this movie, you know, through the various development processes, that it was protected by the people that needed to protect it, that it was allowed to to have the the new ending, like all of these things. Whereas American Beauty is, you know, coddled by DreamWorks from its inception. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's 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 just a very different. I think it's a different thing. And to your point, they never thought they were going to win an Oscar with this. One. <laughs> um, so at this point, we have Paul, unbeknownst to him. Uh, McAllister comes up to him. He's sleeping on his desk halfway through the Celestine prophecy. Uh, and he, uh, is, is awoken by McAllister who asks him to, uh, to run. And not to skip over. And again, he's no, Dennis, you're just connecting to your point about porn. Like that yeah. is how McAllister gets the idea. Absolutely. It's a, literally a porno. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was I was gonna make the exact same same point. Saying like yeah, yeah. there you that go. That was pretty fun. Uh, great minds. Um, yeah, yeah. Porno. Porno. his porno collection, by the way, hidden in a chest under a false floor, uh, is just absurd. Uh, oh man, that's such a representation of like the American masculinity, and I think that ironically, that is something Trump tried to tap into again, and like, don't be ashamed, be a man again. But this movie frames it the way it should, which is like, this is embarrassing for him. Like, yeah, it's embarrassing that you're not talking to your wife and that you're watching your, your humiliating cheerleader point. You should be embarrassed in, in the, the basement. basement. You know, never, I, I am I, like, you, it's impossible to believe that any man is like this, but I swear to God, I'm like this. I don't really watch porn. I, almost <laughs> I, just rolled I saw that. I think we roll. could hear it actually on mic. And because, and because of it, and because of it, I am a very naive person. I don't believe you don't watch porn. <laughs> and it never, I don't, I sort of got, and it never occurred to me that all the basement couches in all my friends' houses were being Damn. used for dad jerk-off spots <laughs> until I it's saw It's a great name movie. for a band, though. <laughs> dad jerk-off spots? Anyway, sorry. So... We then have the bubble where Tracy sees Paul is running. The sign behind Paul that says Paul for president or whatever literally looks like something from The Simpsons. Like it looks like it was written in like with his left hand with like a black magic marker on a box <laughs> that's like been splayed. It's fucking perfect. Anyway, she loses her mind. Yeah, but really pizza box. But we, I want to be clear. Like, I mean, it wasn't, but it looks like it. The reason, the very reason that uh, he wants tracy not to win and he wants tracy to, ha to have this competition is because he feels like she wasn't punished for the affair with dave like yeah. that's what you're like Absolutely. that is she Absolutely. hasn't ripped down the posters yet yeah. she has done nothing to merit punishment yet i agree I almost yeah i mean it's, it's too generous yeah. 
I almost think that's too generous. Like, I think the reason she wants to win, I think he justifies that to himself that way, right? Mm-hmm. But like deep down, it's because she's the girl in front of the class. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think he wants, I truly don't think he wants any girl to win. That's why I think I think it's not any girl. I think you're right. It's the girl in front of the class. And she sort of taps into this and like teachers maybe are jealous and resentful. And I think he's just specifically resentful of her because she has, I think, that he doesn't have, which is like, I think she's also honestly, she's a perfect storm is the thing. All of the things you're talking about mixed with the fact that he thinks she was the reason for his buddy's downfall. Like all of these things are mixed into this like maelstrom that he looks at her and he's like, she has to go down. And it's, it's ridiculous. But goes, it goes back into his affair with the neighbor with not the neighbor with Paul's wife, which Linda, dude, you're fucking your best friend's wife fucked up. Uh, but also the fact that he's like, you ruined my life by telling my wife yeah. it, the key, you just, you blamed yeah. the woman yeah. in the affair, the same and he's blaming this 15 year old high school sophomore who was kept after by her yearbook yeah. coach, yearbook person. Like there's oh also, I, I think that it's interesting because one of the things that, that, uh, Alexander Payne talks about that he wishes he hadn't cut out of the film was, um, Tracy's frustration towards Paul has a lot to do with class and a lot to do with the fact that she's been raised by a single mom who's working this job, who's tried to, I mean, that, that Tracy sees another white popular man who's going to get an opportunity. And, and that's more frustrating. You sense a little bit of that, but you don't get it maybe as crystallized. There was a scene, I guess, between the mom and, and her that was cut from the film. Um, but you can see her frustration. You can see how angry she is, but she still signs. Uh, she still signs his his list of of, uh, of names, and she she dots her eye with a star. Um, and then she goes home and starts making buttons like a fucking lunatic <laughs> with this crazy fucking button making machine that says "pick flick." And she she is like she is funny. Like I don't want to make it sound as though this character isn't still really funny and fun to watch. That's part of why I love her. That's part of why. I would be her friend. It's part of why I love Leslie Nope. I mean, I don't anyway. believe it. Uh, she's not Leslie Nope. She's nope. got a lot of Leslie Nope. She's a proto. She's a proto Leslie Nope. She's a high schooler. High schoolers all kind of suck, and then they become who they're meant to be. Leslie Nope was eventually written by someone who cared about Leslie Nope, right? Wait. Like that. Wait, that who did who started it? And I don't understand what you're. The same person, but he changed his opinion of her, right? Like so. Yeah, in the, in, in the, the first show, season, yeah, they right. hated her, and they treat they hated her, and they hated like Hillary Clinton, and they used her as an avatar for Hillary Clinton. And then I think at some point something happened in that writers' room, or something happened in the mic- mind of Michael Shore that made him realize. What well, he, he has like well, he's, he said problem. that one of the things was they tried to write her as as um, Michael Scott in the first season. And then they realize that she needs to be very good at her job. She's not good at her job in season one. She's just kind of annoying. It's in yeah. season two when they realized that she needs to be good at her job. And once that happened, it kind of flipped a switch and they were like, oh, okay, she's just, she's just very, very good at her job. And she's a kind of a crazy person for it. But to your point, Kenny, I agree with you. In season one, she's, she's written in a way that, that makes her quite frankly, kind of unlikable. Um, and that's, I think that's part of the, the, the dance that, and the, and yeah, yeah, and the butt yeah. of all the jokes, and it 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 was so mince- like 
It's amazing that show found its footage, footing because that show in the beginning was yeah. so mean spirited. This idea of like somebody who's putting their heart and soul into the parks department in a small town in Indiana is never yeah. a villain. Like yeah. you are yep. never a villain if you are trying to do good, like for virtually no money in your town because you because you just want to be a good person. Yeah. But they did. They like, turned it around. Great credit. Yeah. Like they found that character. Yeah. They found that. Uh, character. So then we um, we meet Lisa and Tammy. Uh, Lisa breaks up with Tammy, which is super sad. And uh, they have like a whole montage funny. of their relationship. And then we hard cut to Lisa blowing Paul. And the look on Paul's, the, the look on, on Chris Klein's face as he's getting blown by Lisa is fucking hilarious. Um, I sure was surprised the day Lisa Flanagan asked for a ride the, home and, and ended up blowing me. <laughs> and that's some of the, uh, there, I mean, there's a couple of things there that I love. One is that's some of the sex humor that I think is like intrinsic to this story, right? Um, that I, that I love and I'm really impressed by. The other thing is, Paul's character is so privileged. He is living in such rarefied air that he doesn't even understand how unusual it is to have women throw themselves at you the way she yeah. throws himself at him. Like that's that that level of privilege and that level of kind of male mm-hmm. self-delusion uh you almost never see mm-hmm. in a movie. I, I think that you know, basically, we're at, at the point where they give their speeches, and and I, I think that Paul's speech is one of the funniest parts of this movie. Not only it's the best; oh. he, his eyes never leave the paper. He says the whole thing like it's in one breath, and then the important part, which is the end, to vote for him, he pulls away from the mic so you can't even hear him. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. <laughs> He's, He's so, so good. You know, he does so this in American good. Pie in 99. And, yeah, sorry, go ahead. It's so, no, it's a different thought. But, yeah, he's so, he, he's so good in this. I, as I he's away he's from fantastic. Um, <laughs> you know, Chris Klein's career has been interesting, sort of ups and downs. But, like, I, he's – what do you what do, do, you do with, with Chris Klein? Klein? He's so good in this movie. And I have to say, and we said it on American Pie, my issue with American Pie was not in the casting. I actually thought everybody in the film was actually – you know, pretty good at what they were doing. Our issues with American Pie were were much yeah. more structural and on a script level. But he's got something. There's there's a wide eyed golden retriever quality to Chris Klein that's just perfect. I yeah. the the thing that was interesting about the I sure was surprised when Lisa blew me is like <laughs> if you're looking for a woman who uses her sexual wiles to manipulate people for petty and bitter reasons. Yeah. She's the real villain. Yeah. She uses her sexuality to antagonize uh, Tammy. And she, yeah. if there's a woman who, who, yeah, uses her sexuality for evil, it's, He's, it's Lisa. Yeah. And, Lisa. And then she, she's a 16 yeah. year old too. Right. So like this, this all like, that's a, a thing I love about this movie and movies like this is more naturalistic high school movies where, you know, in the end of the day, we're not talking about like, another movie I love Regina George, you know, who is just like a caricature of a gorgeous high school character. Like Lisa looks like a normal person who's trying to, I think Paul also just, there, there is something very um, sweet's the wrong word, but just naive about him. There's a line that he has that uh, after he's talking to Tammy, after, uh, after the, after she 
you know, the speeches where he says, no matter what happens with the election, we're still brother and sister, even though you're adopted. <laughs> no, you're adopted. <laughs> Which I think he thinks is a nice thing to say. Like, I don't think he's under, but it's yeah. just, it's amazing. Uh, he doesn't say a mean does, thing all movie. He does. He's perfect. He's a, he's a perfect <laughs> angel. You know, it's funny. I used to watch this movie with my friends in high school, like over and over and over again. And I think we 99% watched it for Paul's lines and just to quote back Paul's lines. Like that line at the end when he looks directly in camera goes, and, and maybe I'd be dead. Like that was always like, that was like such a button for us. <laughs> Everything about like there's just, that felt, that felt like a, like a, actually like a caricature that I think yep. we all yep. recognize. Yeah. You know? They're all caricatures that I recognize. Yeah. I think every yeah, school sure. has a Tracy Flick. The Tammy is someone who, like, this movie, I think Tammy is amazing and hilarious, but I hope for the future of this movie, like, she should go on to become, like, a best-selling memoirist and sure. artist and photographer. Sure. She should have, like, a, a, a mm. fulfilling lesbian relationship. I love that where she's like, I'm not, uh, I'm not lesbian. I'm attracted to the person. Just all the people <laughs> have been attracted to her. <laughs> she's fantastic. I, there's... There- She's so sweet, and I want her to have everything. I want her to get exactly the life she deserves. Another movie that this is uh, that that this inspired that's so much worse uh, is Napoleon Dynamite, and Napoleon Dynamite is not Ugh. horrible. Yeah. It, there's nothing there, right? There's no there there, right? It's all on the surface. But like yeah. Tammy going yeah. to the yep. uh, power plant as her quiet place could have been a very Napoleon Dynamitey thing, you know, weird for the sake correct, of being correct. weird. Yeah. But the way it's shot and the, her voiceover, the sincerity and the way she has thought about why this is my comfort place makes the whole ties the whole thing together in a non-judgmental way that elevates this movie higher than quirk. Anything that's quirky about this movie is quirky because it fits into the tapestry of this of life there. And the thing that she talks about at the power plant about stepping, you know, between the rails and disappearing, it's like that is the most like artistic, metaphorical observation that we get from a high schooler that just shows that Tammy is this, I think, fundamentally more creative thinker than, than I think there's also, it's interesting because the actress, um, Jessica Campbell talked about how she's had lots of, um, gay people come up to her over the years and say how this was like the first, performance they had seen of a teenager who was comfortable with their sexuality and understood what was going on and and was in, you know felt empowered by it it's interesting because you know we have um but i'm a cheerleader coming up and that's another film that i feel like a lot of uh young gay people sort of point to as these like seminal very important movie for a lot of uh for a lot of uh, gay people which i think is is it's really interesting because it doesn't shine a bright light on it. To your point, this is it, it exists in this universe. They're not trying to, to to make a big deal out of it, which is why it's such a big deal. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that they're that they it's it's yeah. it's a really beautiful thing. And I love at the end when she goes to the to the Catholic high school and she meets another girl and they're in love and everything's wonderful and it's great. I'm I'm happy for Tammy. And the way that's shot is awesome. Uh, we're now at the point where uh, Tracy uh, and the posters. 
Um, so Tracy sees one of her posters is curling. So she stands on a, on a garbage can to try to stick it back up. She falls, it tears, and she loses her mind. She tears all the posters up of, uh, of Paul's in the area. I want to say something that I think is interesting, which is earlier in the film, someone is taping one of Tracy's posters to the walls, and she says, that's the wrong way to tape it. You should tape it on the inside. And then this is part of the reason yeah. why the poster is coming down is because of the way that she demanded it be taped up. Which feels in its own way like she was almost the orchestration of her own townfall in this situation, but which I think is kind of fun. But the shot for me that I love, the shot that I love is is post tearing up all the posters, her looking down at her blood soaked, cut up hands from tearing up all the posters is just such a like I just think it's the fucking best. It's just to me it's it's like Yes, her yeah, it's yeah. Lady Macbeth. It's the, yeah, exactly. The blood mm-hmm. on her hands, the spot that she can't get out. I think it's is fantastic. Um, I love the look on Tracy's face. She looks like a maniac when she's driving to dump the posters with that rear projection behind her. She looks like a fucking crazy person, which I love. Um, yeah, I mean the indignation when she yells at at Tammy, "You're gonna pay for my poster!" After she, it's like <laughs> so good. It's the best. I love that. Uh, I have such respect for that character that she's able to like, yeah. improv like that. <laughs> you know? She, she commits. commits. She it's commits to this marriage. Yeah. That it's that sense that in her head, she almost tells herself so many times that she didn't she do it, into that it she yeah. kind of believes. So we're now at the it. point with, you know, so uh, Jim McAllister's had sex with Linda. She doesn't show up at the motel. And we now have the bee sting, which is. The fucking, oh my it's gold. It, it, it goes, the, the stages that it goes from on his face is just, uh, I don't know. I, could, I couldn't imagine or pick a more right. perfect thing to happen to him than the bee sting. As fellow yes. writers, how quickly would that be shot down in a writer's room? No, I think it's it's genius. I thought you were going to say I would not be able to think of it because I would never have been able oh, to think of that. No, I think it's completely genius. That's that, that's my that's my point. Yeah. My point is like yeah. things like things like that. Like things that seem elemental, you know, that happen yeah. at like a real like like a like a real terrestrial level, right? Like very simple like out of nowhere people guy gets a beasting on his eye. I feel like it would be cut because they would say, and then what? And so what? And how does this affect? And do we really have to make a bottom every yeah. episode? And all this shit, like we went back and forth and eventually we did it. So like props to our show. But like we, we, we have a, we have a, a, a guy who becomes a rapper and we really wanted to give yeah. him a face tattoo. Not as a okay. joke. Every fucking rapper has a face tattoo. <laughs> and if you don't give a budding rapper a face tattoo, there's almost a reason why you don't have to now. But we went for weeks and weeks and months and months about the makeup and what's the point and space tattoos are stupid and it is, is it just a joke? No, it matters. There's a psychology behind this. What, why a person is doing that. Um, so, so to that point, yes, maybe it wouldn't get shot down, but it's the, it's the kind of quirk that I'm in. I also want to say it's Whoa. not in the book. And I oh, it's not. Well, it's it is, but it's also like I can't imagine this movie without the bee sting. It's his face, his his eyes swollen is not just iconic, but it's like that's how I see McAllister. 
Um, it's it's yeah. it's it's perfect. Um, but yeah, so he gets the bee sting. Uh, he goes home. Linda's told his wife about the. No, no one ever asks him what happened to your eye either, which is awesome. No. What one, the one kid? Yeah. I, I yeah. think I think yeah. one kid who I love. Oh, does he? The, the one. Is it the who's the there's, counselor? There's, the yeah, guy who it's the, there's, yeah, no, no, no. It's 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 the Easy other one. Fouch's Fouch's the main kid. The other kid, it's like he's got lighter yeah, yeah. hair. He's the one who gives her the thumbs up. That yeah, kid is a yeah. real kid that went to that high school. And there's an amazing story that he tells on the on the uh, DVD that. Um, it's insane, but he had a day where he was painting one of the one of the posters with Reese, and he's like, "This is my chance." And he asked Reese Witherspoon out. Oh man! And she said yes, and they went to coffee together. But I mean, I just That's love that he, that this guy in Omaha was like, "I got a shot. I got a shot. Shoot my shoot. Uh, shoot my shot." Um, shoot my so shot. Shot. I love the other kid though. Don't I just think best. like that. See, that's, that's another thing that I feel like would get shot down. You're going to introduce yep. a new yep. character in the third <laughs> act who has yep. this much import to the plot? We've never yep. seen this guy. He is the the icon of this film because out of everyone, he is the moral and ethical yeah. version yeah. of this film. It's all integrity. Yeah. I love him. He. Love him. The, it's it's even the other one who does the thumbs up to Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> Fouch would never. Fouch is a paradigm of right and Fouch, wrong. Fouch also he, easy. He should be a judge, be a judge on the Supreme Court. I don't know what his first name is, but I'll say this. It also he also has the moment that I think has stayed with me the most in this entire film, which is when he spit spits on his window. Spitting. It is. It's a moment that I remember yeah. when I saw this in the theater. I was like. Fuck! <laughs> like, <laughs> I know it's <laughs> that's the moment that makes him leave Omaha. He's like, get him out. <laughs> that's what we should be doing to Alito. Yeah, we gotta I find Alito in DC and spin out his window. He's gonna be I like, gotta go. I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go. Um, so, so Jim, <laughs> so Jim finds out his wife has told had told her. Linda's told his wife, whatever. The next morning, he sleeps in his fucking car outside her house. The next morning, he wakes up, and and the eye is so just good. out of fucking control now. And then he goes and pisses on her tree, which apparently Broderick did in real life on the take, which I think is amazing. Uh, yeah. It, was, it, it had to be, right? <laughs> um, I was thinking of that. I'm like, there's no way they rigged something for that pee. shot. <laughs> so then we have the actual election happens and we've got the ballot box, but he loses the key. So he has to use pliers to open the ballot box, uh, which is just fantastic. Uh, Tracy wins by a single vote. Of course, Paul is the guy who cast the vote because he couldn't vote for himself because he's too pure for this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I also love when Jim asks Fouch what the tally is. And Fouch is like, well, we're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to know. You're supposed to count it on your own. And he says, we're not electing the fucking Pope here. Who won? <laughs> it's a squeaker. It's, 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 a, squeaker. it's a squeaker. The squeaker, Mr. M. It's a squeaker. Yeah, it's a squeaker, squeaker, Mr. M. I think I actually laughed out loud. Oh, God, squeaker, Mr. So M. Good. We're not elected a fucking oh, it's, it's great. I also think about this movie that I think is like that. That I I, I think is like <laughs> almost goes on. It's almost it's almost an under understated thing at this point. 
The plot is so good. Yeah, I know. I know. Like the plot mechanics of this movie are so tight. They're so they're, it's it's the, the 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 mechanism of the election A leading to B leading to C and the turns and the reveals yeah. in almost every scene. Like I think that there's something to that. Like I remember this movie being marketed or not marketed but discussed as like you're not going to believe what yeah, he yep. does. And that is a mm-hmm. plot point. You know, that's not like you're not going to believe the depiction of this. That's like what we've been talking about. And that's where the meat is yep. on the bone, no doubt. But like for like your your average see a movie on Saturday Night person who doesn't mm-hmm. obsess over this shit, it works yep. really well, too. Can you talk about how can we talk about how crazy it is that like the emotional climax of the movie and a climax where you're like, oh, hinges on him throwing away two yep. votes on yep. the high election. That's what's so successful about this movie is it makes the stakes so obvious and it builds yeah. up this truly <laughs> fucking awful day that Mr. McAllister has up until this point that you totally buy it. And it's, it's, it's it is brilliant. a real, he it's coughs, it, he- <laughs> the cough, the, it is a snowball movie, right? Where it's like, it's all sort of building up. It's a tonnage issue so that Jim McAllister is just like at a breaking point. He's like, fuck it. I'm just doing this thing and I don't fucking care. Um, and, and, and Fouch, Fouch, but it's so oh, 100%. subtle about it. And then Fouch Gosh. in the principal's office being like, that doesn't make sense. I counted all of these and the numbers don't add up. And McAllister just wants to be like, Fouch, shut the fuck up. Like, it's over. And Fouch won't let it yeah. go. It's He gaslights this poor sweet boy. So, I know. Uh, two people must have pocketed their ballots. <laughs> what is that one? Come on, what man. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. I also so then we get uh, Jim eating by himself at some fucking chain restaurant, and Paul is, sees him. The look on Paul's face when he sees him—he's just so fucking excited to see him. And then he sits down and starts talking about like shit he wants to do with his uh, <laughs> with his administration or whatever. And Jim has this great line where he's like, "Paul." We'll have whole, uh, we have a whole year to talk about this right now. I need to finish my pie. Like he just wants him to go away and let him finish his fucking pie. Uh, yeah. I mean, and then, you know, then Jim's obviously kicked out by his wife, you know, and, and, and we're justifiably, Justifiably. you know, and, and, oh yeah. Tracy goes to Georgetown. Paul enrolls at University of Nebraska. Tammy finds a new girlfriend. You know, he moves to New York. He gets this apartment that he's paying 15, 50 a month plus utilities for that's essentially a closet. With a toilet and a, yeah. <laughs> a bathtub, it's great. Uh, Dave is working at a super. It's so I the the detail the mm-hmm. detail that kills me is that uh, Tracy encouraged Dave to write his novel, <laughs> yeah. and that because that is one hundred percent why these men go yeah. for younger women. They want to see themselves 100%. through their eyes oh in the way God. that like he, she thought that like he had all this potential and she didn't see what a loser he was. And she's like, I hope you wrote his novel. And he's With, at like, the a supermarket. It's looking great. Which I'm like, you know what? You're <laughs> you lucky you're not in jail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't, we, Dana, we didn't talk enough about what you just mentioned. Um, the, the, that yeah. idea of, of tapping into all of his missed and lost potential in yep. his own mind, right? Yeah, 100%. That's the professor fucking the student mm-hmm. thing. And I think, you know, I, I think that that's pretty deep too. And then I love when when he confesses it to his wife and she's like, what, your fucking <laughs> novel? What are you talking about, your fucking novel? I mean, like... <laughs> you haven't written your novel. Yeah. yeah. 
If I could tell I you how many guys I've dated, and I've written a few books, if I could tell you how many guys I've dated who have told me ideas for their books that I have to be encouraging of, that these books are never written. I don't even ask my wife to read books anymore. <laughs> but I at do, least you write. Yeah. But I also just feel like that's not why she's here. You know, like she, like she, that's, that's not, that's, that's not our thing. Our thing is like, we, we have children to raise. So every time a girlfriend has to be encouraging about a novel, she knows will never get written. Oh my God. An angel dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so Dana, as I mentioned to you on text yesterday, we wanted to, to rank some of our uh, top high school movies. Um, yeah. So Kenny has, I don't know, 50, I think is what he said he had something like that. Um, but I, I had 50 till you, yeah, cause I was like, down. we can't be here all day talking about high school movies, but, um, so did you, how many did you do Dana out of curiosity? So I, I, I'm very sorry. I haven't finished my rank. So I just have That's a lot fine. of raw That's fine. data and I was, I was having trouble figuring out. The I mean, I to- have I, my top four, I'd say are pretty locked in. Everything else gets kind of muddy for me. Um, you said only five. How many were we supposed to have? <laughs> you could do as many as you want now, Dana, is basically the long and short of it. I did say 10. I did say 10. You know, I have a great, long great. list. And then you, I try. And then I want to hear, I wanna, I wanna hear I wanna all hear of them. everything yeah. you have to say. I mean, I feel like I might have some unpopular There's choices. There's no such thing. Because, because I'm not. Be, no, don't, don't talk too soon. <laughs> I'm going to say I don't have um, a lot of experience, not experience. I don't What's have a lot of um, interest, interest in, in like the, the John Hughes okay. high school movies, which that's, I think that's, a lot that's of your, people That's your choice. Do. You know, you're, you're allowed that you're allowed to do that. You're um, allowed to talk about whatever movies you want to talk about. I'm super <laughs> interested yes. to hear this list. Well, I, this, uh, this is now on list. list. Now I'm like I'm nervous because I feel like you guys are gonna. No, 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 gonna, no, 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 no. You want me to go first? I'll go first. No, no, I'll go. I'll go. But can I All say right. my my ranking okay. isn't final? Okay. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay, I can get it down to ten. Okay. I have ten. Okay. Okay. I have. 15. I, I have fifteen as well. Um. <laughs> okay, my number one is. Is uh, wait, wait, go backwards, go backwards, go backwards, go backwards. Oh, fuck. Well, I can't. Okay, hold on. Um, maybe Carrie, Great movie. okay. Um, mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller, okay. Greece, great movie. Okay. Great like movie. High, I think it has, it has, it has, it's not a okay. A I agree with movie. you, it's not a great movie, but it's so yeah. it's fun and it's iconic, yeah. and so I feel like yeah. it gets better. it's almost um, great. Donnie Darko, interesting, nice. Took that off uh, mine when Phil made me drop down, but yeah, it was there I, I for like a while. I like that oh, movie. It's I'm amazing. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I love it. Mean Girls, great movie. Oh, of course. Lady Bird. Took that one Ferris. off too when I had to drop down. Well, not a you. knock on it. We're going from twenty. They were my both in my top twenty-one. Ferris mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller. You said that. Back to the Future. Oh, I didn't put, yeah, it's interesting. I didn't think about that one. I, th- I think because there's a school no, dance. No, it's, to- it's totally a high school movie. Like, yeah, I just didn't. I didn't think about it. Yeah, 
Back to the Future. Um, yep. Rushmore. Clue, and then my top two: mm-hmm. uh, Clueless mm-hmm. and Heather. Great movies. Great. Election yeah. doesn't make the list. Oh fuck! I didn't think that counted. I didn't even consider that. <laughs> oh, I just assumed yeah. election was one. Yeah, no election. Election will be like number like yeah. three. I t- I didn't I didn't put election in because I thought that that wasn't fair. Uh, it's That's a great a list. Tremendous list. It's a great list. Tremendous list. One of the best. I didn't. I sort Nothing of controversial a- about it except Greece. <laughs> Greece, I think, skates in on it on how iconic it is. It is one of the most iconic. Movies to, and it's one of the rare musical movies that's not based on a Broadway musical. It it was vice versa. Right. It was a movie first, and it's so iconic. Like it made you know we have John Travolta, you have Grease Lightning, you have so many good songs. It's so iconic that you have to put it on a list. I think Grease is uh, so great in so many ways, and it's also a very fun play to be musical to be in. Um, I just think the end is so bad. Like it's oh, so bad. Well, you don't like that the car flies away in the end. You don't like that. Oh no! I and love the, that the car flies away. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the car. And the message, the message. Tell me, message tell me about it. Stud is like, really yeah. Awful. yeah, it's a um, nightmare. Can I, but, can I give you a few of my honorable mentions? Yeah, because I, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I had trouble. I had trouble with with ranking because ranking is so hard. And doesn't your mood change like all the time? Totally. Yes. Totally. I really like, and this is a personal taste thing. I really like uh, the spectacular. Now, I like uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, so which I actually think I so could good. argue is one of the best high school movies. But because it's so genre, I thought it was hard to, uh, yeah, I don't know, fit totally. into this list. Uh, Bring It mm-hmm. On was mm-hmm. I considered because I think also a, a very very good movie. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm curious to hear your list because I'm sure there's some that you mentioned that I am completely have completely forgot. You know what I think is really right. underrated is uh, Easy A. Easy A is great. I think she, I mean she's very good in that movie. Not- <clears throat> All right, I'm very excited to give my list because um, also one last one, one last one that didn't make my list, but I considered it because it is great and very important, and I think it's I think people need to talk about it more. Uh, the first High School Musical. I've never seen it. I've seen but all three. You have to think, what is it about this first one that spawned a phenomenon? And I think you have to objectively uh, figure that out. Oh, fuck. And 10 things and ten things I hate about you. Sorry. Okay. Now you're less. I'm done. I'm done. These are all, These are all great choices, except some of them. But uh, the High School Musical is an interesting interesting choice. My kids have watched all of them a lot. For whatever reason, I think we, we gravitate towards two interesting. a lot. Really? I, yeah, I I'm, think not making, a, I'm not making the decisions. So there's I a just, steep quality drop off. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing, but we we seem to watch two a lot. Like that has the baseball song. So, Kenny, do yeah, you want to go? Do you want to go back right, and forth my, between us, or do you just want to do? Uh, I'll go. Why don't you? Yeah, sure. Why don't you do your? Why don't you do your honorable mentions all at one, and I'll do mine all at once, and then we'll go back and forth. All right. So uh, I have two honorable mentions that are close, near and dear to my heart that no one else probably cares about or watches. One is Class Act with okay. Kid and Play. Probably watched that movie more than any movie maybe okay. ever. All right. Um, great high school movie. They, you know, the, the, the nerd and the tough guy switch places. It's awesome. Another one is Summer School with Mark Harmon. 
probably seen that 300 times uh know every line love every second of it it's um it's so 80s uh and then i'm gonna throw out one more that i watched a couple nights ago uh the karate kid oh. Oh. the karate kid is fantastic yeah. it's a good um so and it's a great high school movie and there's a great high school romance and uh it's a very very simple very effective storytelling <laughs> so that's so those are your honorable mentions Please flag that well. Um, yeah. All right, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yep. All right. Then I have those. No, those are my honorable mentions. Now the honorable mentions oh. for the world. What the correct the hell answers. is this? That's uh, a- three I, you know more. What? I was so all over the place that I'm letting you do whatever you want. Three honorable mentions that actually could uh-huh. have made my list in okay. a way that I'm proud of. Fast Times for Richmond High. Um, not quite as good as <laughs> you may remember. But Agreed. uh but one but a wonderful watch. A very mm-hmm. easy watch. Um and I, I there's a lot that it does that movies are too afraid yeah. to do these days mm-hmm. structurally. Show boobs. Uh, and have someone masturbate in a pirate costume. <laughs> accurate, <laughs> accurate. Those things yeah. people are afraid of. Uh I'm talking about structurally, <laughs> the, the the loose quality of it, the the depicting the full year, uh-huh. that kind of stuff. Um and I think there's some very funny moments. But yeah, it's not as good as I think you remember. Uh, another honorable mention, Spider-Man Homecoming. So good. So good. What yeah. a movie on my so list. Uh, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was on my top 20 of the, of the decade. Uh, I think it's the only truly great mm-hmm. Marvel movie. Um, but I think it is truly great. great. Yeah. Love that movie. It's and great. then my other yeah. honorable mention, which this one really barely didn't mm-hmm. make my list. No reason not to. You just have to cut it down to 10. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's great. My, I have Ferris Bueller in my top ten. My my honorable mentions. I'll go pretty quickly. There's I only have five of them. Uh, Virgin Suicides, which I love. Yeah. I think it's great. Um, Dead mm-hmm. Poets Society, um, which I mean I love. It's got its problems. It shouldn't have won Best Screenplay, but it's still really good. Uh, mean Girls, it is still really good. Um, which I love. Probably could be higher, but. It's in my honorable mentions. Um, Can't hardly wait, which I love. Um, it was a, it was a, it was just one of those teen movies that I watched a lot when I was around that age. Uh, and then at eleven, I have Juno. Oh, I forgot Juno. I, I kind of remember yeah. Juno. I like Juno. Yeah, I guess it doesn't. It doesn't to me. It's so stylized, yeah. which I like as a movie. But in a high school, in in my version of a high school movie i like seeing something more familiar to me like my high school experience was nothing like any universe depicted in juno so i think that was that was the reason a movie i like a lot didn't make my list of favorite high school movies juno uh has really faded from the from the public consciousness (laughs) which i think is a little unfair i Mm -hmm. i i i think that that movie is actually i wonder if it ages better i think you know but we'll see no I think I think it's a very very good movie, and unfortunately, because it launched that decade yes. of twee, we and then we rebelled against it. It sort of unfairly gets mm-hmm. uh, sucked into that. But I, yeah. I think it's a, what's it's your a number good ten, movie. Kenny? All right, let's go. Let's go back to yeah, um, Rushmore. Yeah. Everything from here up is a ninety-five <laughs> or higher. These are yeah. these these are killer movies. Would have been in my top ten list yeah. in the year. I mean, I, I, I'm in the same yeah. boat. Number ten, Rushmore. I've got American Graffiti. 
um, which which I love, okay. um, and I still think is is George Lucas's best movie. <clears throat> what's your What's your okay. nine? That's fair. Uh, number nine, Mean Girls, the best movie of its decade. It's very good. It, uh, I. It's a very bad decade of film, but it's a very good movie. And Mean Girls has that thing that I miss in Juno, where I'm like, this is what high school felt like for me. Uh, number nine, yeah. I've got Lady Bird. I love Lady Bird. Thank you. Yeah, Lady Bird. Nearly, Lady Bird yeah. is on my top twenty-one. It's just you know some things had to die. A lot of the, a lot of the more fun kind of. You're sexist, Kenny. It's not a fun. It's not fun. Dismissing it as fun is internal sexism. What's your number eight? <laughs> That's true. Uh, number eight. Fuck you, Kenny. A very masculine movie. Hoosiers. Oh, interesting. <laughs> that's such a I've racist movie. Movies. No, it's not. That's, oh that's my not, god, it's, that is it's, not true. Yes, it is. It's a racist movie because the team they play is black. Well, because the whole oh, no. obstacle of the movie is like, can these white boys beat the imposing villainous black guys who are so good at basketball, and no. then they do. No, the whole obstacle of the movie is can this alcoholic loser pull his life back together? Can he? That's the whole. It's the it's, way back. It is the way back. The, the, the black team deserve to win. Deserve <laughs> to win? Yeah, they're, better, they're better at basketball. Just like Ryan and deserve to win. Um, it's, what, I, I'm going to. Who's just. So that's your number eight. My my number eight is Rushmore, um, which I also love. Obviously, it's a great movie. I I was a little on the fence about this one because I'm not totally convinced that it's a high school movie as much. But it's sort of he's in high school, so I guess yeah. I mean, it is named after the high school. High school movie, and he it's about what have you done? I didn't save Latin. I don't. I got nothing. What's your number seven? Uh, Number seven is. Maybe this one. Risky Business. Interesting. Interesting. Um, no, risky Business does have scenes does. set in the high school. That's not a high school movie. It's not, not a high school movie, but it is about <laughs> high schoolers explicitly trying to get into college. So it can't not be considered a high school movie. And on top of that, it's my favorite it's a great score, score of any movie. Um, it's a great score, and the look of indignation that Jaina has on her face right now is is lovely. Um, you put, you put <laughs> Grease on the list. Come on. Uh, Grease is a better high school movie than Risky Business. Uh, Tell me about it, Number seven, I have got I have Ferris Bueller's Day <laughs> Off, which, you know, it's great. I love it. What else? There's nothing needs to be said about Ferris Bueller. Number seven, I have a movie that I... R.A. Froman, the hot dog king yeah, of... The sausage, sausage king of Chicago. I have a movie I predict Dana will immediately put on her list. All right. Dazed and Confused. You've seen, you've, you you don't, don't like, like Dazed and Confused, Dana? I don't mind Dazed and Confused. I just, I don't, uh, okay. I don't love it. I love it. I think it. it's a good movie. I mean, if, if I was doing like top 25, it might sneak in there. All right. All right. Dazed and Confused um, is a good flick. Uh, but that's your number six, Kenny? That's it's your number six? Like your Lady Bird. Yeah. I have no emotional connection to Dazed and Confused. I have an emotional connection to Lady Bird. Oh, I understand that. Um, but I love Dazed and Confused. It really, that, that, even though it's a period piece, that really feels like high school. I, I, I fully agree. You'll hear about it from me later. Period piece set in Texas. And I love that. I yeah. love that about it. I love the idea that the 70s in Texas feels just <laughs> like the New York suburbs in the 90s. Uh, that was your number six, right, Kenny? Sorry. Just 
Okay, mine's mine is Heather's. Obviously, great. Uh, I, Kenny doesn't like Heather's. Oh, okay, I love Heather's. Okay, no, no, I love Heather's. I love Heather's. I don't really know why I didn't put it here, but I love all these movies more. What's your five? Um, Scream. Uh, that's a good one. Oh, that's right. That should have been on my list. I love. I would if I were to do this again, I would put Scream one and Scream four on my list. Oh, we have we talked about Scream four? I don't know, but it's it's the yeah. only one. They're neck and neck to me for quality quality of movie. Uh, I, I can I completely agree with you while disagreeing with the last point. Like I think Scream Four is incredible, and I've said it on this podcast many times. Um, and I think it's killer, which I don't want to reveal for people who haven't seen it. It's so fucking brilliant, I can't get Perfect. over it. It's brilliant. <laughs> how can how can you feel surprised at this point? Love Scream Four. Scream One is uh, uh, Scream's is Scream's unbelievable. Uh, my no- I agree. Kenny, Kenny, you're back on my good list. Yeah, you're it's touch and go. Uh, my number five is uh, say anything, which I love, um, and I think it's just uh, you know again, is it a high school movie? They're in high school um, for some. For of some it. of it, it's a high school. Movie. It's a high school movie. I mean, uh, I, 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 yeah. What's your What's your four, um, Kenny? Breakfast Club, <laughs> like Breg, like. Something that I think all of my movies have in common, and I, I think in general this is a thing you want mm-hmm. out of a high school movie, is uh, extreme yes. watchability. Like, you, like for, none of these movies do I, do I want to turn off at any point. I am mesmerized by Breakfast Club. And there are some issues now. I, I recognize there are a lot of issues, particularly with how Ali Sheedy's yes. character is treated. That being said, I am mesmerized by the snapshot of like 1985 America taking place. Couldn't in agree the with you more. Library. Yeah, um, it's I, it's a it's yeah. it's wonderful. Uh, my number four is Clueless, um, which that's or my number, number four. four. Uh, but I will say, as I said earlier, these top four are kind of in any order. These are all of these movies I think are basically perfect. My top four, anyway. Um, yeah. When Cher said. And let me remind you, it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. I mean, she's a hundred percent correct. correct. Uh, Clueless, I think, is. I mean, there's an argument to be made, and I I imagine Kenny perhaps might make it that it is the best teen comedy of all time. Uh, It is. It is. It's basically perfect. It is unbelievably watchable. Uh, It it holds up so well. Um, I love it. It's. It's a. It's a perfect movie. It's also so kind to its characters in a way that I love. It has so much love. For share in a way that other movies and, might and for, not. For have. all of them, yeah. I mean, every character in that movie yeah. is, is is yeah. What's your what's your uh, three, Kenny? Except for all of them. Um, my <laughs> is, um, my, it's it is currently my daughter's favorite movie, so we have watched it a <laughs> yeah. lot lately. So it's a planting sound of music. <laughs> we have, we have watched yeah. it a lot lately, and it's it's fucking <laughs> spectacular. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm like you, Phil, with at least my top yeah. four or five. Um, any one of them could yeah. be number one. Clueless is that is is the um, is is the highest pure studio comedy mm-hmm. type movie mm-hmm. on my list. Uh, and every, echoing everything you guys said, Cher is an incredible, incredibly yeah. drawn character. Um, every character in the movie is brilliant. It's so funny. It's like living in LA. Yeah. It's even better. Like. 
the jokes land so hard when yep. you know it's it, also right? just it is so um, tightly written and directed to like there's no fat on that movie uh the way that it's 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 perfect uh my number three is is breakfast club so we've already talked about that i think it's fucking great i love it i i have issues with with it but you know uh and then uh what's your what's your number two <laughs> i think say anything is the best romance movie maybe i've ever seen it means the most to me personally it feels that 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 feels like high school. That's kind of why I'm so offended by a movie like um, American Pie, because like the you know the sport fucking mm-hmm. doesn't feel like high school to me. It's the yeah. it's the um, Friday Night Lights. It's different for girls episode yeah. where Garrison and Julie like don't have sex but talk about it. That yeah. mm-hmm. always felt more like no, this is not sport fucking shit. Like this is everything you've ever known the most powerful emotion you have ever felt overwhelming you and i i don't like adults talking about this movie without understanding that at that point in their lives they were feeling emotions that they could not even begin to comprehend uh crazy yeah it's it's great i love it um my number two is election i mean we've talked about how great this movie is can't wait to hear your number one. My number one is election. my number one is Days of Confused. Um, I, I okay. Days of Confused is uh, I think it's a perfect movie. I've rewatched it innumerable times. I'm obviously a big Richard Linklater fan. I love that it's basically plotless. I love that it feels like real kids. Um, the cast is off the is off the charts. I just I think it's I think it's the best. So. I'm surprised that neither of you put Back to the I Future. I totally forgot that. about it, quite frankly, and it would be on my list if if uh, if I was to relook at this list. It, it would probably actually be it be in my top ten. I think. I guess that I it's not it doesn't feel yeah. very high schooly, but I was opening up the you know it, it takes place yeah, almost no, all in sure. high school. Back to the future, you know, Back to the Future. I, I briefly considered it. Back to the Future is one of my oh, favorite so good. movies. And I don't know why I didn't include it. It just it it doesn't feel like it's intrinsically about high school relationships. It That's feels fair. like it's incidentally about I, high I, school. Like a movie yeah. that I took off was a movie because we made this rule that it had to have some scenes set in high school. Was um, Kids, mm. which is intrinsically a high school movie, but is not set in a high school at all. Kind of yeah. pointedly, but. Um, but yeah, I think Back to the Future. I, I actually just option. rewatched Back to the Future uh, yesterday or the day before. Uh, I mean, I, I, that movie should not work. That movie should not no. work. Uh, it makes no. very little sense if you think about anything that's going on, and it is a perfect movie. Uh, I, I just, I, it is, it is. We uh, it's that a lot so too, good. It's, it, it holds a perfect movie. Mind. It has. I think it has the best climax yeah. of any movie ever made. Why don't you get make like a here. tree and get out? Of- <laughs> <laughs> this working is insane. Yeah, uh, really. the The last half hour of that movie, God, I've never seen it in, in a theater. Oh my God! Just, yeah. Oh. The score that those two. It's the best. Do, do, I, I would actually say, watching it again the other day, the MVP. The more I watch it, is Crispin Glover, like that. It doesn't work without him. It doesn't work without that weirdness that he brings to the movie. It's just, it's, it's, oh, it's the best. Um, yeah. I really the third one, but I would still sit through a seven oh, yeah. hour 
three movie For marathon, sure. particularly that Hollywood mm-hmm. Bowl style where mm-hmm. they play the score. Because I think the third one is is, is an hour and a half of trash bookended by some yeah. shit. Um, like I think the last twenty minutes of it is yeah. pretty cool. But I mean, uh, it's so funny. the The reason that I was like, because I, I on my list, I was like, does it count as a high school movie? It's the, it's a movie that fundamentally forces you to be like, what? Your dad was probably a <laughs> dork in high school. Yeah. Oh, God, could yeah. you imagine? What a what nightmare. A nightmare. Yeah, probably a dork in high school, and like, oh, to see him like strike out with girls. Yeah, like that's what to me that's what's so charmingly a high school about it is because Marty is so effortless. You know, cool. do you know where yeah. the premise came from? Actually, Bob Gale went home, whatever, and found an old yearbook of his father's, and he saw a picture of him, and he thought, "Would I even be friends with my dad in high school?" And that's and no. he went took that to Zemeckis and Zemeckis was like wait a second there's there's something there, and that was you know it's the best. So let's uh, let's rate election let's, shall we? Uh, in Kenny, you saw it in 1999, right? Okay, yes. uh, so I'll go first. In 99, really liked this movie. Like I, I I really liked it a lot. Don't think I loved it as I'm giving it an 82 in 99. I thought it was very good. I really liked it a lot, but I would say that I did not completely lock into all of the stuff that we've spent the last almost three hours talking about. Um, before this podcast, it's a 95 for me. I mean, it's, 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 it's any problems that I have with it are, are minor. I, I mean, it's basically a perfect movie. Um, and I, I'm holding it 95. That's where I'm at on it. Dana, what, what were, what was your uh, rating on this? I don't, I, I can't go 99 is an NA for me because that's yeah, not yeah. fair. Yeah. I'm going to go 90, 95 and then after thinking about it again, 97 there. It's a, I also think it's a perfect movie. I think that I, Kenny, I agree with you that like it almost sometimes works in spite of where pain is coming from maybe, but I can't parse that out and I think it still works. So yeah, almost a perfect movie. Yeah. I, in in ninety nine, I mean, it has to be like a like a like a ninety one. Okay. I would say, right? Absolutely, absolutely love this movie. Seen it at least wow. fifty times. Wow. Okay. Right? Wow. And not not front not not front to be not mm-hmm. front to end, but like this is a movie you pick up on HBO yeah. halfway through, and I did that over and over and over and over uh-huh. and over. Um, and I love it. Like I love it. Yesterday, after watching it, I mean, I I gave oh, it a wow. ninety-nine. Oh wow! All right, this is your, like it's your first okay. ninety-nine, right? This is your and first I'm ninety-nine. Gonna, oh, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because I gave uh, I've given a bunch of movies ninety-nines. I gave South oh, yes, Park yes, a ninety-nine. Yes. My apologies. My apologies. Um, yeah. I, gave, I believe any given Sunday a ninety-nine. <laughs> like I'm I'm throwing out the ninety-nines a little more liberally than I think most people. I don't do. know if I've done one yet. But this is this is a ninety-nine for me. Um. This sounds so stupid, but it's okay. how I really feel. I'm dropping it to a 98. What? I'm dropping it to a 98. After the discussion, it is still beautiful, brilliant, yeah. and flawless. Almost yeah. it's amazing. I fucking love it, and I expect it to be in my top five mm-hmm. at the end of the year. 98 is pretty good, and the fact that I gave any given Sunday a 99 will have no <laughs> reflection upon my final <laughs> ranking. Because I always remember Roger Ebert gave the contender four stars and gave Requiem for a Dream three and a half and still put Requiem Talk for a Dream on the yeah. end of the year list and not the contender. 
as my dog barks in the background. Can I can I actually modify? Please. I'm yeah. so sorry. You're still talking about I need to I want to modify no my top ten list. Or my my abstract. I will remove Grace. <laughs> Very sorry. And or and or remove Donnie Darko. Either one of those I'm I will I wanna add and remove Carrie. Okay. I'll remove all three of those. Okay. And I wanna add in Scream, Scream Four, and one that I, we all forgot, but I think is really underrated, and a movie I love, Jennifer's Body. Oh, interesting! Oh. Yeah, good call. A very, very Great. high school yeah. movie. Very, very good, movie. good movie, and I, movie, I, 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 movie I, I, has gained a seam over the last fifteen. Years. Yes, a, a movie that I loved the first time I saw it. I will say I saw it, and I was obsessed with it, and I felt like no one was talking about it. I loved Adam Brody, and I know it. how you feel about Adam uh, Brody, and I. I know. I, I love that movie. I think it, it works, and I'm disappointed at myself that I didn't think of it well, uh, first time I, around. What are we doing uh, next week, buddy? Oh, wait. I yeah, want to make yeah. one more point before I do this. I think we only really have one more high school movie. Do left. we? I think, but I'm And sure we're doing it next week. The last. <laughs> there you go. I think that's it. So I think maybe we'll, do, we'll, we'll, we'll also do a bit of a high school 99 yeah. roundup because I, at least I, didn't have any other 99 movies. And you only Correct. have Virgin Suicides Correct. in your honorable mention. Anna threw a 10 things she I hate did. about she you did. in there. Yep. But as many high school movies as there were, and I think there yeah. were 20 or so, uh, this is the only fucking yeah. brilliant. No, I, I, I mean, this is, and, and I'll say this. Just start, Drop Dead Gorgeous Drop, is also brilliant. Sorry. Oh, it wait, is, but it's, I don't know that that's considered a high school movie. There's no scenes in a high school. I, I mean,. It's a teen comedy for sure, but is it? It's a teen, yeah, it doesn't feel yeah. very high school because all the girls are not. We don't see There's their a high lot school. Of, we had a lot of teen movies in '99, but I would say that only sort of two thirds of them are actually what I would constitute high school movies. But long story short, right. uh, what I want to say about Election Two is uh, one of the reasons that I think this movie is so spectacular and is so perfect is because of all of these different genres that it's blending. I mean, it's not a movie that you overtly think is a high school movie. It's not a movie that you overtly think is a, as a political movie or, or whatever the case might be. This movie is really just this beautiful blend of so many different things, which is why to quote you again, Kenny, this movie feels like a miracle that all of these things came together, that these planets aligned to make this thing. Um, Anyway, uh, next week we are doing probably our final teen movie, which is uh, But I'm a Cheerleader. We have uh, Lola Kelly coming back to talk about that. Um, I've never seen But I'm a Cheerleader. Have you seen it, Kenny? No, I never have. Dana, have you seen But I'm a Cheerleader? Okay, I have Uh, not. It's. It's. I'm excited to see it. It's a. It's a very interesting movie about. what are those uh, things called where you send away gay kids? It's about a re-education camp. Right, right, right. It's about a re-education. It's about a, a a re-education camp for homosexuals. Conversion, yeah. conversion, like conversion therapy. therapy exactly. yeah, I think yeah. is what people call it. Yeah. Um, re-education, re-education camp sounds so sinister. Yeah, well, yeah. What, conversion. I mean, they're they're not particularly sinister anyway. So <laughs> but uh, it stars uh, it stars <laughs> Natasha Leone and uh, Clea Duvall, and I'm super excited to watch it. I hear it's brilliant, and uh, that's what we're doing next week. So, Dana, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for this. It's Dana, you're the best. Yes. And please come you. back. Will you come back for something else in the future? Literally anytime. <laughs> um, anytime that our schedules all permit. How cool are you? I mean, it's we knew Dana. 
all the way back before she put out a podcast that immediately went it's number true, one. It's true. How fucking cool is that? Like, how fucking cool is that? I learned. I learned everything oh, from you guys. That's not true. It's a brilliant podcast. Please listen. Thank you so much. But if you if you can, it's like it's for everybody. It's for true crime huh. people, it's for history people. It's for storytelling people. It's for people who like you know in, intellectual conversation about things that have happened. Um, can you tell from that podcast that I was a nerd in high no, school? Not it. Not at all. <laughs> I, I mean, I. You do you, you, you I could do a podcast without your podcast. Kenny, you, you do this all yourself? Like it's crazy. I I have they edit it for me. They do the I don't do the music. They but add the music it, and you you write, Oh yeah. You boss, and you and you voice it and yeah. you perform it because it's really yeah. a performance. Oh, it's yeah. fantastic. Awesome. I'm so, I, I'm like Kenny, you're, you're so sweet. Oh, well, thank you. You're sweet for coming. And it was an honor and it was honor when you were an honor when you were, you know, just a writer for my favorite publication, Entertainment <laughs> Weekly. But now, you know, it, you've, you've done so much and it's really a pleasure. Thank you so, thank so you much for that. coming on, Dana. And um, thank you. Tr- truly, I feel honestly cannot tell you how lucky I am. I feel like when Phil asked me to talk about election, I was immediately thrilled because I, as you can tell, I love this movie. I love talking about it. Thank you for giving <laughs> me the honor of, of the election. It was episode. our honor to have you on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.